I hit the record button now. So now we're actually recording. Okay. We're actually going to do the podcast <laughs> after, like, <laughs> what, 15 minutes of, of, of just, setting just up. BS and just chatting. Hurry up and wait. I'm used to it. Whatever. All righty. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Today, not in the usual studio, we have Jacob Anderson. Howdy. Welcome to the podcast, Jacob. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, Jacob just got back from... Australia. Australia. Land down on that. Doing fun stuff with uh, the Marine Corps. Yeah. Fun stuff with the Marine Corps. Um, geez, how long have... How long have I known you? Let's see. Um, I think... We were youngins. I'm I've, saying 12. I think the... No, younger than that, because the first time I remember you was... No, I mean, like, we've known each other 12 years. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say around there, because I remember doing the Christmas play at church, right? Your mom was helping Tad and Leslie. Did you get kissed on the forehead? No, you did. I did. Oh, no. (laughs) That scared me to death, dude. I saw your mom put lipstick on, and she's like, the next person to act out is getting kissed, and it was you. (laughs) It was only ever you. I may have may not have done that on purpose, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was bad. Uh, forgot which play it was, but that was uh, a while ago. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was, it was a while ago. Straight on the forehead. Yeah, no, that was good. That was a good time. It was your mom and Tad were the only ones I was afraid of, because Leslie was so nice. Leslie, it, yeah, Tad, Tad's nicer now, honestly. But when we were kids, oh yeah. Jeez. Gotta be nice. He's coming. He's hopefully he's coming on the podcast Thursday. Really? Yes. I'm gonna have Tad on the podcast Thursday. That'll be a sight. Yeah. Lord Sowers on the podcast. Lord Sowers. <laughs> Lord Sowers. Nice. The Dark Lord himself. Well, not the Dark Lord. Be like Gandalf. He's the, the Bright Lord. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He's so intimidating. I don't know how he's not the Dark Lord. He'd be a good villain. That would be funny, yeah. So anyway, yes. um, Jacob and I have known each other for a while, um, but right now he's obviously back from deployment, and are you're not going back, right? Not that's, for a while. That's the end of deployment. For- that's the end, rest, refit, get into the training for the next fight, I should say. Okay, well, for next phase. Phase. Like beginning the next phase, right? Yeah, we're beginning the next phase right now. So when you when you do a phase in the military, it's it's kind of like a rest or rest, train, deploy, mm-hmm. rinse and repeat. Yeah, pretty much. In the infantry, that's exactly what it is. Um, it's and the whole. Uh, when you start it over, mm-hmm. it's there's a lot that goes into that. You got the new leadership coming up. Like, for example, I'm okay. taking up a squad leader billet. And uh-huh. then our XO, who's the second in command of the company, mm-hmm. is was is actually my old platoon commander just picked it up. Mm-hmm. And then our old XO picked up for CO. He's going to be our captain. And then, you know, so on and so forth. We got a new okay. platoon commander. New NCO is taken in charge and all that. Um, so just because I don't. I honestly don't know who exactly listens to my podcast. Right. But chances are they don't know what an XO uh, is. XO stands for executive officer. CO stands for commanding officer. Yeah, I okay. know. I'm going to have that problem with acronyms. That's fine. So That's fine. I'm, I'm going to – I'll stop you. Cool. That's fine. 
so your NCO is <clears throat> a your... non-commissioned officer. He's right. an enlisted corporal or above. So he's a mm-hmm. one rank above me is when the NCO rank starts and it just keeps on going. When you pick up the rank after sergeant, uh-huh. as a staff sergeant, you become a staff NCO, you know, yeah. all that stuff. Um, and there, that's where you start becoming more, uh, instead of in the fight, you become more, uh, admin. Right. So, okay. A lot of those guys have been in for a decade plus. Okay. Um, and they know what they're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the, the whole, the old cliche is, you know, you got a, a butter bar lieutenant. Oh, and you've got you've got somebody who's like a staff sergeant. You should and see everybody the shows platoon up. commander we got this time. He's a frat boy. I'm excited. Oh, really? Oh, he's a straight frat boy out of Is like it? Utah or something. I was like, oh, oh no. dear God. He's probably a Mormon guy. Oh, no, I don't look Mormon. No? No. Mormon's got a certain look to him. No offense to the Mormons, <laughs> but this guy's not that. But yeah. you can definitely see that he's like a big college football player. Then like, oh, yeah? Let's go to the Marine Corps and lead grunts. Okay, whatever I, you say. Sir. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna be honest. There were some kids that I was in college with that probably the best thing for them maturity wise and like responsibility wise would have been to join the military. That's a fat lie. Oh well, okay. I'm just saying it. Okay, but you know, there's a certain you you yes, grow there is up a, certain, a little bit. Yeah, there you know. is a certain thing. I mean, um, you're not living under your parents' roof anymore. Yeah, uh, you're living under the government's lamal. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like you're you're learning to make your own decisions because you're not around your parents anymore. You're mm-hmm. for me two states down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're trying to do an express lane to growing up, join the military. Um, it'll get you out at least. It'll get you right? out under your parent, like out from under your parents' wing. Um, but it'll st- still take care of you at the same time. You don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to jump into the abyss of adulthood. Right. And be like, where do I get food? <sighs> Welfare. Oh, oh, geez. No. But no, you just walk down to the mess hall. Yeah, you just walk down to the mess hall and scan your ID and boom, free meal. Nice. Or you can just... But you got to sign on the dotted line first. You got to... <sighs> and it's four years four years is not a long time because i've already served three out of my six and it's gone Has by it like been that. three already? it's been three already dude yeah well technically three come january but that's like literally right around the corner yeah so you yeah, know what that i'm saying yeah. it's almost three years and it's yeah. gone by like like it was yesterday holy cow yeah mm. mainly because i've been in two battalions in my already three years because i got in trouble with my last battalion for something i was told to do yeah. That's how the military works. You get well, you know. Sometimes you, you your card gets pulled, and uh, somebody's got to take the fall, right? For sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> we it don't have to go be over me. It. Yeah. Just, you know, little little first time award. Lance Corporal Anderson got got NJP'd for taking out someone's trash, and they thought we stole it. Um, wow. Believe it or not, that's how what happened. And then second. Now, second time award, Lance Corporal. Yippee. Um, hopefully to pick up Corporal sometime. Yeah. Right around the corner. In um, a little bit. Yeah. 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 Um, right now, like I said, the new squad leader billet that I, I had to do, is, uh, I didn't think it was going to be a lot to handle, especially someone who's been in the Corps for almost three years. Right. But I'll tell you right now, as a squad leader, you have like 13 
dudes in char- like that you're in charge of. Oh, it's 13. It's 13. Oh, well, actually, geez. hold on. No, it's 12. Sorry. The squad is 13, including you. So you have 12 dudes under your charge. And you have to deal with um, all the new guys coming in. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to... I'm not going to talk a lot of smack on them because we were all there once in the military, but 18, 19 year old kids acting like they're tough and like they know everything. And then, you know, I'm not the one, I'm not one to be like a jerk, but there are some times when these guys will come up and think they know everything. And they think, uh, we call they think they rate is the term. Yes. (laughs) And, uh, you don't have no other choice but to tell him to put your flak on and grab a log. We're going up the hill until you fix yourself. Like one, like shortly before I got here, I saw a dude who was just checking into the unit with a fade lower than mine and a mustache on. And I looked at him and I was like, what unit are you going to? I'm going to three, one. Oh good. That's my old battalion. <clears throat> fix yourself. Cause I know they don't, they, they're going to kill you for that. They're going to run you up the hill until you fix yourself. And that's how it is in the infantry. We don't do, we don't do pen. We do sword, a lot. Yeah. Um. That's the harshness. It's not hazing. People claim the whole hazing thing. Uh, well, hazing hazing takes on a different characteristic, right? Because right. you know PT is one thing, and getting PT'd until like you're you're almost passed out. That's one thing. But then hazing is like. I, I almost want to call it like gross or something that is hazing totally unacceptable. Is I, okay, so a good example, hazing. You'd have better if, examples than I do. I don't know what well, I'm talking like, about. Like this is something that <laughs> happened to my friend when I first hit the fleet when I was in three one. Um, you know, taking the gas mask, putting it on, getting to the shower, grab bleach, pour it all around there, turn the hot water on, and start doing burpees. The hot water will evaporate the bleach right. a little bit, and you'll get that. Uh, how should I say this? Almost like the CS gas that we use in the gas chamber. It's a mini gas chamber it turns into. Yeah. And you start doing push-ups and burpees and whatever, and you're, like, screaming at the top of your lungs, and it's like boot camp again, but you're, you know. You're, you're, you're already, already. You've already got that, that stuff kicked out of you. But Right. And then, I don't know. Freaking, that's hazing. Uh, but doing the PT when you have screwed up mm-hmm. as – a Marine and I am your supervisor yeah. squad leader or your team leader, you know, whoever mm-hmm. it is tells me about it. You're done for. Okay. We're going to start your day off pretty bad. Okay. <laughs> but it's not, I'm not, I don't hold grudges. I'm not going to be the one that's like, wow, he screwed up once. He's like my least favorite person in the world. And then I'm just going to for weeks for weeks on end. Yeah. That's how that happened to me when I first was in three, one, they didn't like me. I screwed up once and then like they held that against me the entire time. And then I got a redeeming chance when I went to one, one, which I'm at now. And, uh, it's been pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So if, so if somebody screw, what's the, what's the, like the most normal thing people screw up on that you're going to have to run for, or you're going to have to do some sort of PT. That's a, that's a hard one. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I think it's going to be being late. Okay. Yeah. Being late. Because, you know, we always got That's these a big thing. whack. We have these whack timelines for PT. Sometimes we're PTing at uh, 530 in the morning mm-hmm. or as early as 4 in the morning. Um, 
And then there's, you know, there's other timelines that you have to go to, especially if you're going to range to qual on the rifle. Yeah. You have to be at the range by like 6.30. And so everybody gets up at 3.30 to draw their weapon from the armory. Yeah. Because how many guys have to do that? Uh, It's like a thousand. Okay. No, 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 no. no. It's not that big. It's at least a hundred, believe it or not. Okay. That's not huge. They do in um, different waves over okay. the weeks. Um, cause there's three phases of the range, believe it or not. It's stupid. It's stupid. I hate range. Um, but yeah. So, uh, one example is if I say there's a PT at about five thirty, show up at five fifteen, uh, green on green glow belt, camel back with water filled. Right. Yeah. And I got one guy that shows up at five thirty on the dot. Technically he's on time. Well, or, you know, five twenty five. Right. He's on time. He's five minutes early. But that's not what I asked him. I told him to get there at 5.15. He's late on my timeline. Okay. And that happens a lot. But So there's the actual timeline. There's and then the there's actual the... timeline, and there's the time that I give to be there. It's called gunny right. time. You miss the gunny time by 10 minutes. 10 minutes late. We'll do PT for 10 more minutes extra. Or I'll do something. Uh, okay, so that's not unreasonable. Ten, ten, extra... ten minutes is going to be like hell. Okay, so it's going to be really bad PT. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, that ten minutes will be either ten minutes in a plank position, mm-hmm. ten minutes of straight doing push-ups, or ten minutes of doing something. Ten minutes of straight doing burpees. I'm not kidding. That's how it's been done before. But, yeah. You, that's okay. how you fix. That's what I quote fix. <laughs> fix people, yeah. Okay. Because paperwork only goes so far. Right, yeah, I mean, you're dealing with a lot of 18, 19-year-old kids, right? And so yeah, they don't... Like giving them a piece of paper is like, let's go to the principal's office. And like, okay. Right. And they don't care. But the moment you, uh, I don't know... Impose quote, a unquote, physical toll. Quote-unquote beat them up. Don't actually lay hands on them. Uh, they, they'll listen. They'll know. Yeah. Or you can do what my old, my old squad leader did. And he would be like, instead of like uh, running you... For disrespecting him, he would actually make you feel stupid. Oh. You think you, yeah, he'd, you'd think uh, you know everything, and then he hits you with some knowledge that you don't know. And he actually humbles you that way. And after calling you stupid, it's like, oh, you don't, oh, I thought you knew everything. Oh, yeah, well, shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you just <clears throat> got to realize there's always something else you could learn, even yeah. in high ranks. Yeah. Until you're a general, you haven't made it. For yeah. sure. Well, yeah there's always this and that's a that's a healthy way to go through life too mm-hmm. is to always know that there's something Someone else to learn more be, like better than you yeah that's yeah always we have that hunger yeah for sure so um maybe maybe we'll kind of set the stage for why you're a marine now so after high school okay did you join? Now I forget. Did you join right away? No, you no, you no. waited a little bit. right? I waited a year. Okay. I did a job. I was working at the Vision Fitness over there by McConey's yeah. on uh, by the airport. Um, yeah, we go to the gym there now. <laughs> oh, do you really? Yeah. Dude, so you know Tammy then? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the I called. There. I had to call Tammy the other day. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, she was my boss for um, about a year and a half when I was working there. Um, and then, you know, I was like, I need something better, man. I like, my goals was to work up to be a personal trainer for powerlifters only. Yeah. Um, but I was like, oh, this is, 
I'm not really ready for this yet. I need to figure some stuff out. But also, when I had that uh, mentality, I'd always wanted to serve my country. So, you know, one day in, in July, after I graduated, I walked into the recruiting station, uh, met up with uh, Staff Sergeant Zompatheli, and I was like, hey, not really like that. But I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's close uh, enough, I was right? Like, Excuse me, sir. Um, <clears throat> you recruiting? Of course. We're always recruiting. Sweet. Duh. But uh, <laughs> walked in there. He we had the talk, and then uh, I joined. I did the DEP program. Went over to MEPS, which is the um, the medical place that you go to to hmm. get your checkup. So delayed entry. Delayed entry program. Yes, to that's the medical. what DEP is. To, to well, yeah, to medical. Got the initial checkup. Uh-huh. I was able to do the DEP program, um, and then I was in the DEP program for about six months and pushed out the boot camp in uh january of 2017 and here we are yeah three years almost three years later um just came back from australia got a bunch of other guys in my boot camp platoon that have already been to syria and all that i'm just like you guys y'all suck well we don't even have that many guys in syria not anymore no well yeah especially after the last couple weeks but i mean we only ever had like a couple couple thousand Mm-hmm. right yeah trump decided to pull everybody out yeah for some reason that that has I, I don't that's one of the things that i don't think was the wisest decision ever no geopolitically i mean especially when it comes to you know what the what Turkey's going to do to the kurds yeah i mean that's especially since the kurds were holding a ton of isis prisoners right mm-hmm. that the world hadn't decided what they were going to do with them yet. If they were, them. if they were ever going to decide, you know what to do. Yeah, yeah. Because Europe is like, oh, we don't want them back. Well, no, no, of course not. We're not going to try them in our courts because, like, what are you going to do? <sighs> what are you, you going to do? You're going to convict them of a terror charge. You're going to keep them in jail for fifteen to twenty years. That's it. Probably. That's sad. I can't imagine that they would be in jail for any longer. I mean, you can't prove that they killed anybody, right? Unless you have video evidence of them killing somebody, you can't prove that they murdered anyone. Mm, I thought, just, I don't know, 20 years just sounds too light for a terror charge. That sounds like an automatic hanging or firing squad or something. I don't know. It's, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know the the law on that, obviously, but... Mm. I think it would be that, and then you'd have to pay. You have to pay to house them. You got to pay to feed, them, right? All that kind of stuff. It's like having millions of little children under your belt. Yeah, I can do it. Yeah. I know. So, um, anyway, so we now all of our guys, I guess, are going to uh, Iraq, and then, oh no, they're protecting oil fields now. We're protecting <laughs> Kurdish oil fields. Uh, Pawns, jeez. To keep the <sighs> Turks from blowing all the way through and taking out their only source of income wow yeah this is why i want to go u.s socom they're not going to be protecting oil fields they're going to be the the team that goes in there and kills the next Baghdadi. yeah that'd be nice yeah it's those guys i mean holy cow they have trained a long time to do that well they were oda right freaking the braves um i didn't i didn't end up hearing who exactly it was probably a reason for that um yeah <laughs> probably yeah, i just know it was a dog a dog was involved yeah. and a bork bork nom nom a bork bork nom nom and then uh 
Haji Bob, whatever, Baghdadi blew yeah. himself up because he was scared. I I'd call, be scared I call too. that a self yeet. A self yeet. Uh, <laughs> it's funny enough. I uh, taught my mom yeah, what yeet. yeet means. Oh yeah. Yeah. She was like, "What's yeet mean?" And I was like, "It means when you like launch something." So, yeah. For example, Captain Marvel got yeeted by Thanos in the end of Endgame, and people, and she's like, "What does that mean?" And I showed her the freaking yeah the clip the clip and just boom, KO'd. Um. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was a self yeet. Big Dottie, a self yeeter. Yes. And it's funny because then they're like, "Oh well, we'll just get his son to take up the head of ISIS." Well, he got killed too. So yeah, it's a so, double victory for the U.S. Um, yeah, the SOCOM guys, the SOCOM guys are yeah, and you know, it's always. I'm always thinking about like, okay, so you go, you do SOCOM for like, I don't know how long those guys generally. I mean, they've probably been in for six years before they actually get to the point where they can start going SOCOM, right? Uh, so unless you're 18 X-ray or whatever. Well, yeah, special I was just forces. Say, only baby. the studliest of studs do at entry level on those right. things. Most of the guys are prior service infantry mm-hmm. or whatever before they go in. Right. Yeah, but they train for a while. Like the whole, you go through the uh, initial selection. Yep. And you get, let's say you get selected, you go through like, I kid you not, I think like two years of training before yeah. you even hit your I can believe that. special yeah. forces group. You got the tactics and all that basic stuff you need to. Well, I think and they then, do language school too. I was going to say, that's the longest language. course is the language. Yeah. Especially if you're learning Arabic. Woo, that's a tier one yeah. right there. I wish Holy I could cow. do that. I'd almost pick Russian or something over, over Arabic, you know? Yeah, comrade. <laughs> da, da, big potatoes. So, um, yeah, and then special forces got. Anyway, I was. The thing that's got me thinking about this is I just, I just did the campaign for uh, Modern Call Warfare. of Duty Modern Warfare. Heck yeah! Have you played that yet? Oh, dude, it took me three hours to beat the campaign. I, oh, that, okay, so that's what made me a little bit frustrated with the game. I was mm-hmm. like. I wanted a little bit longer because it was a. I don't know if you agree, that was a great campaign. That was a, that was a very very controversial campaign. Oh, it was extremely controversial. I but love it. That's why I like it. Yeah. Because I mean, okay, so for those, and we talked about Kanye's new album with Gianni. So, oh, Jesus guess what is king? Hallelujah. You guys are gonna get Call of Duty with Jacob and I. So, <laughs> the whole world is or reporters right now are on fire about this new call of duty campaign because and i this is the article that they mention it in because there is a terrorist attack at piccadilly circus in london okay (laughs) and this terrorist attack is far beyond any terrorist attack that anybody could ever hope to mount because they have literally hundreds of guys with machine guns and 10 or 12 car bombs and like 20 suicide vests and all sorts of stuff. Anyway, it's mass chaos in Piccadilly Circus. And it's more of a, at at the scale that they do it, it's more of like a a comedy almost because of how outrageous it is that this could have happened. Yeah. Um, Rather than being like, I don't know, a couple of cops and like one suicide bomber or two suicide bombers. Or you can just make it as comedic as no Russian. That That was a pretty funny level in Modern Warfare 2. Just walk I, out of the elevator and just light up a bunch of people with a LNG. I thought it was, yeah, not funny, but it was well, dark humor. The, it was great. Yeah, you know, it's uh, obviously Call of Duty has to go to the level of almost absurdity uh-huh. to make it to make it feel like a game, 
right? Yeah. Because otherwise you'd be like, you'd play a game like, I don't know if you've heard of Escape from Tarkov. No. Okay. Uh, it's a game I play um, every once in a while. Basically, it's a hardcore um, survival kind of game. It's yes. not open world like DayZ. Okay. But it's, you know, you load into a raid, you raid, you kill other PMCs, you kill scabs, you wow. extract, right? You extract. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Anyway, it's got it's got weapon modding and all this. Anyway, back to Call of Duty. Yeah. So the biggest thing that people are worried about is the terrorist attack that happens in London and the fact that there's a lot of parallels to today, mainly gas attacks in a foreign country, Urzikstan. Okay, they came up with a random. They came up with a new foreign country, Urzikstan. Mm-hmm. Wait, that's that's a. It's made up. There's no Let's such. Say thing. it one more time. Urzikstan. Urzikstan. U R Z I. Throw the alphabet with Stan at the end of it. You'll make a country that's over right. So whatever. Like Kajikistan. Kajikistan, or Blazikistan, or I don't know, dude. Something. Um. So. That and, basically, one of the main characters is essentially modeled after a Kurdish Peshmerga woman freedom fighter, freedom fighter yeah, essentially. I forgot her name, though. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I forgot her name, too. Anyway, <laughs> this lady in the campaign, I forget everybody's name in the campaign. Except Price. Except Captain Price. Bravo sex. Um, so. So, anyway, people are people are all mad. I don't understand it. Because it's it's a game, and if I mean I guess so, and this is what I this is what I figured out talking to my parents mm-hmm. when I when I told them the kind of stuff that goes on in the campaign, they were like, "Holy cow, how can they make that into a game?" I'm like, uh, "How can you make that into a movie?" Touche. That's real life. Yeah. You know, and so what we came down to was it's a post 9/11 mindset, mm-hmm. right? Where people from our generation, basically people who are beginning of Gen Z to like end of millennial. Okay, yep. Right? People who are 25, 15 to 25, essentially. Yeah. This is the world we've grown up in. Uh huh. Like TSA checkpoints at the airport, um, you know, Homeland Security is watching you, NSA is watching you. Like, this is the kind of stuff we've grown up with. Yeah. So. To see in a video game a gas attack on a Kurdish town after being bombed by Russians. Right. Like, that's that puts us into the element of going, oh, this is like it actually happens. Because mm-hmm. we've seen cities like Aleppo. We've seen cities that have been completely bombed or attacked with chlorine gas. Right. I guess people, here's my point. Like, people will be like, how can you do such live, like, real life scenarios and, and you know play it on a video game mm-hmm. and like i said earlier like how can you make that into a movie because both sources right. of entertainment like oh wow you're watching real life stuff mm-hmm. for your entertainment why can't i play in a video game and without you guys getting butt hurt um heck yeah. i'm probably so, sooner or later it's gonna happen to me in real life and i'm i'm gonna get butt hurt because <laughs> y'all think it's a joke but like at the same time it's it's, it's a video game and it is real life and uh, people just need to get over it, okay? People actually live those lives. I don't know any because there's only right. one Captain Price in the world. 
Right. Well, and that this brings me to another point. Yeah. So those operators in that game mm-hmm. are so well. What we'll put so the the people that they model it after are essentially. I almost want to call Captain Price like a rogue CIA asset, essentially. He's he's SAS. Right, he's SAS, yeah. but at the end of at the end of Modern Warfare, you kind of get the idea that he's putting together a team with a black budget and he's got assets that can't be detailed or whatever. Yeah, task right? force. So it's That's... it's uh compartmentalized, mm-hmm. right? So that not everybody knows everybody else who's in the game or everybody else who's in the the task force essentially yeah right so they're so special they're so specialty special operators okay right that nobody knows who they are and nobody and they'll never be able to tell their stories basically yeah and to me that's almost as sad as somebody who well I, i don't know like the the point of going through hard things sometimes is so that you can tell the story on the other side. Mm-hmm. And if you can't tell the story, that to me is one of the, one of the sadder points. Uh, yeah, it's really. So sad. I don't know how many guys in the world are exactly or do the work that Captain Price in this video game does, but I'm guessing it's a handful. It's the a entire hundred. U.S. SOCOM community does it, honestly. But like. Right, it's a little. Call of Duty's over the top. Obviously, right. they're it not going to do is. what they do in that game. But yeah. At the same time, they actually do train for that. Right. Yeah. So they train for it, and it is a reality, but it's not a reality to the point that Call of Duty takes it. Right. No. That's These guys over the will top. have one mission that's mm-hmm. like a cutscene from Call of Duty. Yeah. Like, and that is the highlight of their career, because the amount of explosions and rounds. And it's, you know, the amount of times these guys get hit in the video game, like, nobody survives. I mean, okay, if you have you AR-500 survive. plate armor, you, you might, maybe, if you keep getting hit in the chest. Well, maybe. yeah. I mean, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but one of those times, you're going to get unlucky. And that's going to that's gonna be either the end or close to the end, you know? Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I think the new Call of Duty game is great. Yeah, um, I, I gave it, like, okay, I'll give it a 4.5 out of out of 5 because multiplayer is yes. awesome. Campaign's still awesome, but, like, three right. hours it took me to beat. Yeah, I feel like it should take a little bit longer. Yeah, I know. but And then they say the campaign will continue in the Spec Ops stuff. I was like, no, it didn't. This is lame. What's going on Is here? that That's the next one they're going to release, right? What? Spec Ops? No, it's part of the game. It's part of the Modern Warfare, like the new Modern Warfare game. It's a game mode. So, wait, is that co-op? Is Spec Ops co-op? Oh, frick, let's see. I don't know how to, because I'm trying to figure out, like, oh, so you're going to make me play three hours and then make me buy a whole new game to continue the story? Wouldn't that be some EA That would be totally EA stuff. Because <laughs> oh, I, I bought into Star Wars Battlefront, the first one. That was the biggest freaking joke, dude. Uh oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Which reminds me, I got uh Battlefield Five. Yeah. They um they just came out with a DLC and it's Pacific. It's uh-huh. Pacific Theater. And I'll tell you what, I saw the reveal trailer for that and like one at one point you see like the Marines just shooting a bunch of Japanese soldiers down and then the other other point you see like a Japanese soldier take out a katana and cut down like five Marines and you're just like 
and I asked my buddy James, I was like, "What if you could as a have a U.S. Marine character on there, and customize him with a katana?" Bro, I'd be unstoppable. Just was the <laughs> American Marine with a katana, just on in Iwo Jima. That would be yeah. So whew. well, and we should say that the Battlefield Five game is World War Two. Yes, that is World War Two for those yeah. who don't know what it takes place in. Yeah, that's the that's the scene they set it in. Yeah, and Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare is basically what is it like two or three years in the future or something like that. Uh, wait, let's see. I forget Are you talking the, about the first Modern Warfare, or I'm talking about the one that just came out. One that just came out. Uh, no, so the no, one that just came out is slightly before the first original Modern Warfare because it's before Task One Four One became a thing. Oh yeah, okay. So I think the I never for, played Call of Duty that much to well, get to the campaign. Well, the this is like the first one I've actually played through. <laughs> oh jeez, yeah. So the first it takes place slightly before the first Modern Warfare. And the first Modern Warfare is, like, in 2017. So, by the time you get up to, like, Modern Warfare 3, yeah, it's, like, a couple years in the future. So, about, well, where we're at right now, probably. Yeah. Yeah, 2019, So, it makes sense. It makes sense. Hey. Kurdish fighters and gas attacks and Piccadilly Circus. Okay, now we're scaring people. Now we're scaring people. <laughs> Jeez. So, um, obviously, we've, we've detailed that Call of Duty doesn't follow real life very much can you not yet can you detail for us the life of a marine off deployment and on deployment and how that's either the same or different get ready for your feelings to be hurt it's not that cool um oh boy yeah so <laughs> in the rear in, in in the rear meaning constantly u.s right uh in garrison, it's like you wake up, you do PT, you got a bunch. Of, if you have a lot of admin stuff you have to do, you do that. Other than that, though, you're either going to courses, uh, which one can be like, I think the longest course that I could probably go to right now is Advanced Infantryman's course, and that's like two months long. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, there's probably other ones too. Uh, but I can't do them because there's certain, like, uh, rank requirements or that you have to do to yeah. able to go. Um, so you're either doing courses, uh, like actual formal courses or you're doing online courses. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much working <clears throat> on you getting your skills kind of refined and tuned Yeah. whilst working to get promoted because there's okay. certain things you have to do to be yeah. promoted mm-hmm. to a certain rank above Lance Corporal, which I'm trying to pick up. Um, in the field, that's where we really train. The field, we do multiple field ops uh, that are based all around either one or two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, frontal attacks, you know, or like squad attacks, team attacks, platoon attacks, company attacks. Uh, and there's one that you do in 29 Palms, uh, the battalion clear mm-hmm. of a city. I'll get into that later, though. Um, and then, you know, you're out there for like a week, a couple of days, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's like, all right, we do a couple dry runs of an attack and then we go do a live fire attack. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we get told by the little higher up officers. So like the, uh, depending on what, if it's a company attack, like the BC himself will mm-hmm. say, Hey, what's up? Or captain or the CO will say, 
Uh, BC stands for battalion commander, if you didn't know. CO, mm-hmm. obviously the company commander, um, will tell you what you did good and what you did iffy on. And what you did iffy on, uh, you'll have time to rehearse mm-hmm. that stuff out in the field. And that's what we do. It's like we train on the stuff that we lack. Mm-hmm. And then we try to retain what we do good. Yeah. Um, and that's just the field life. At the end of the day, it's like, okay, whip out your sleeping bag, isomat, sleep in the dirt. There's no tents. Yeah. No, no. Even when you go to Bridgeport where it's like negative two, no tents. Because Marine Corps. Because, hoorah. Sign for Fidelis, gentlemen. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's what life is in continental United States. Deployment. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more relaxed, but it's similar, okay? So in Garrison, they're obviously, we're deployed. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of, there's no admin stuff to do, to be yeah. honest. I think one of the most admin things we did when I was in Australia was, hey, purchase your ball tickets. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll purchase my ball tickets. Um, And then that was it. So what is the... Uh, oh, sorry. The Marine Corps ball in, in oh, November. Yeah, the birthday okay. ball and the ball tickets. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I got to remember people don't know what I'm talking about sometimes. But, uh, yeah. If we're not doing anything, it's like you do little uh, – you either give classes mm-hmm. on certain things. I've had – when we were in Australia, I had the most classes I've ever had. Uh, classes on explosives from my friends that are assault men, uh, breaching explosives. Mm-hmm. Um trench warfare uh cqb uh just going over the basics of patrolling so we don't you know retain that knowledge and Mm -hmm. all that and then um it was really cool because we were doing like team leading exercises where you have like one guy's the team leader and you got the three others and you try to like lead them on a frontal assault or a trench clearing or cqb and all that yeah um and that's what we were doing um Again, in the field, because we were we were doing a boat package with 2nd Royal Australian Regiment, and they're like the amphibious group of the Australian Army. So we were doing a boats package. So they're like the Marines of the Australian Army. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're the, they're, so the Marines are an amphibious assault force, and this Royal Australian Regiment is that. Okay. And it consisted of being on this little ferry thing that we call an LCM-8. And I just remember, I was like, this is going to be a calm ride. <laughs> I stand on the side of the of this stupid thing, and freaking wave just hits me. Like, the entire wave just hits me in the side. And <laughs> one of the dudes in my platoon just looks at me, he's like, oh, you're in the black now. I was like, yeah, I'm in the black. In the black means you're out of it. Like, you just lost all motivation to be there and you're just like well this sucks this <laughs> you must and embrace the suck you have to no you trust me in boat raids you learn to embrace it because when you get into the um the rubber craft you know yeah. what i'm talking about the inflatable ones with yeah. the uh, engines the rigid hull inflatable boat yes the ribs the ribs or the ribs or the cricks as we call them i don't know um but we were sitting in those things I kid you not, four seconds into riding on this thing, I think there was enough water to go up to my knee. (laughs) Inside the boat. (laughs) I was like, part of the ship, part of the crew, pretty much. You know, Pirates of the Caribbean and all that. Yeah. The Flying Dutchman. (laughs) And I was like, dear, we're going to sink out here. We're in the middle of the ocean. 
oh no. Um, and I'm wearing a freaking flak. I'm gonna I'm gonna drown out here. I'm gonna drown. <laughs> I'm gonna drown. But um, that's what we did. You know, you go up onto the beach. Yep. Uh, and this thing. You know, when you get about, you probably hit the beach pretty fast, right? So you do you no. skid up the beach or no? No. So you try to. When you get close to the beach, you kind of cut the engine off a little bit. I'm not a coxswain, my friend is. You could tell you more yeah. about it. But, like, you kind of you cut it off. So, obviously, you don't have the engine going because it's usually done at night. So, you're trying to stay stealthy Yeah. all that. When you cut the engine off, you try to get close and let the waves push you in. Right, okay. A little bit. Yep. Once you get about 15 meters from the beach, it's yeah. all out. Everybody out. Grab the weapons. Grab the boat. Bring the boat ashore. Turn it around. Yeah, so that so it's can, ready to go. Yeah, and the coxswain will stay. Oh, really? So he stays with the boat. Let me see. He either stays with the boat or the mech does. Okay. The mechanic. Um, because usually a coxswain, like I've seen it, coxswains can also be squad leaders if you take the squad leader out of the fight. Okay. It's it's just gonna be weird, but. Um. Yeah, you get up there, turn it around. They're about going, and then. You don't wear usually on a real boat raid. I don't know mm-hmm. why the Australians had us wear our plate carriers and everything, but when you're doing a real boat raid, you're not even wearing a Kevlar. You're not wearing a plate carrier. You're not wearing nothing. Okay, so you're just going. You're going with uh, uh, a freaking Molly vest, whatever it's called. Yep. And a boonie cover. Nice. Yeah, it's like you're completely exposed. Completely exposed, but you're not supposed to be making noise at all. If you yep. do make noise. You still got a rifle. Yeah. Well, they don't, get, they don't give you like a suppressor or anything. I mean, well, even, I, I mean, I did because I was a DM and the designated marksman rifle has a suppressor. Yeah. So I was like, okay, if you need somebody taken out before we even hit the beach, just theoretically, me, theoretically, let me sit on the little on the side point. of the ship like a, like a SEAL team member, please. <laughs> and let me just snipe this fool real quick. Just done. Right. But, uh, no. But it, it, and one of the common mistakes that people often make is they think that suppressors are mouse fart quiet. Or they're, they're not movie. mouse fart quiet, but I know that they can make your gun considerably yes. quieter. Because I was. Uh, Instead of being like, oh my gosh, there's a gunshot and that's where it came from, it's more like, what was that crack? You know, the supersonic crack of the round going over <laughs> somebody's head. Does someone step on a twig? Yeah. Okay. Done. So, uh, okay, so get into the beach. Yeah, I, so I guess, yeah, no plate carrier. Yeah, no plate carrier. Our plate carriers are heavy. Now, if we right. had, like, the ones the Australians had, there's, like, a bib on me, we'd be fine. But, no, the court doesn't want to give us no money for a light plate carrier. Screw us. But, well, they've got to have... Um, what kind of plates do you guys use? Are they just ceramic, or are they ceramic and Kevlar? Uh, ceramic and Kevlar. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So ceramic and in the we front, also Kevlar have soft armor inserts that go inside to okay, go yeah, over the plate to catch. Yeah, to catch anything. anything. Now, the, what plate carrier I have in my room right now? Yeah. Because I bought one for the Great Boogaloo Honk Honk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Great Boogaloo Honk Honk. Yeah, yeah. But he's not in the office anymore, so, you know, Beto, Beto is no longer running for president, so I won't oh, yeah, have Beto. that opportunity. Beto. Yeah, Beta, Beta male. Anyway, this plate carrier I have over there, 
it ha- it's actually like a steel plate. Right, yeah, it's AR500 yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and that thing is, I mean, it feels heavy in your hands and you put it into the plate carrier, you hold up your plate carrier in your hands, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought this was supposed to be lighter. And then you put it on your body and you're like, whoa, I can sprint and jump all day in this thing. And if I get hit by a bullet, I'll be fine. Really? Oh, yeah. I always thought it would be incredibly uncomfortable. No, after the interview, I'll, I'll let you wear it. It's sick. It's super okay. sick. Yeah. And also, it also, like our plate carriers, they'll stop yeah. like right here at your belly button. Right. And so when you're you wearing it. a belt for like your mags and stuff or whatever, yeah. it gets in the way. This one stops like right here, protecting only your vital organs that need to yeah. be and none of more of this excess room. Yeah. Baby, that's some good stuff. Yeah. All right. Oh. And also got it on a 4th of July deal. So the plates, I got side plates, the front and the back plate, and the plate carrier for $200. Oh, nice. Happy 4th of July, fools. <laughs> America. America. Now, if I could get PBS 31s, which are like the binocular yep. nods, yep. if I could get those for 200 bucks, <laughs> now, we're, now, we're, now talking. we're talking. You have to get somebody stealing those things. And we're supposed, the course supposed to be getting those too. The really? infantry. Yeah. I was like. Just the two tubes or the four? The two, the four. No, we're not okay. getting the four. That's. I'm just, I'm just, just wondering. No, just I, wondering. I didn't even know what the four does, but apparently, if you have, if you wear the four one, the the four lenses or whatever, mm-hmm. you can see everything like at 180 degrees lit up, like your peripherals too. I, that's that's that'd cool. be so lit. It, no, it would be lit for sure, but it would be like it would be almost disorienting, you know? No, negative. At 180 degrees. No, I think that'd be dope because I okay. uh, the Australians have everybody in Australia has the PBS thirty ones, and because they have the best budgeting per personnel, it always switches off between them or Canada because they're so small of of a force. Well, but and they got their the countries best. probably have more taxes. You think? Do you think they have more tax? I don't care. They got the best gear. They got the That's best gear though. <laughs> <laughs> like one of my guys or one of the guys that was attached to us, he's an Australian uh, forward observer. So he's the mm-hmm. guy that like, calls in airstrikes and mortar strikes and all that. Right. Kind of really, like a calf scout over here. No, he's no, he's a regular, no. he's a regular rifleman, but he's okay. trained to be a forward observer and call in airstrikes and more. He's a really powerful asset. I'll just say that. Okay. Uh, his name's Donnie. I was like, Hey, and like Donnie, my man, let me look for those 31s real quick. He's like, He's like, oh, I might, yeah, I'll get you that real quick. And I was like, sweet. He takes it off his helmet, and he, like, lets me, like, look through him. And I kid yeah. you not, everything, like, in front of you, not 180 degrees, but everything in front of you, like, what I can see, like this. Yeah. You know? Lit up in, like... So, like, 45 it? degrees, maybe? If, if, yeah, yeah, 45 degree field of vision, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when everything is thermal... Instead of the all green, it's nice. It was thermal? Yeah. So, so it's, like, it's a, white like a, hot it's or a, black hot or whatever? Yeah, it was, like, it was literally, like, a hybrid between thermal and IR. Excuse me? Oh, d- I'm not lying. Wow. I was like, how much did these cost, Donnie? He goes, oh, 50 grand. I was like, geez. <laughs> and they gave it to you, Donnie. <laughs> they gave it to you. No, they gave it to everybody in the Australian Army. Holy cow. Okay. Hmm. Their rifles suck, though. They they still use oh, AUGs. They still use AUGs? Yeah. And I, we got yeah. to... Actually, I went... That's an acronym, but I don't know what it stands I, for. Yeah, no. Just know that it's a very lousy rifle, for the most part. Because the magazine is actually loaded in the rear. Yeah, it's... Just bold. like most Commonwealth Army rifles. Yeah. It's dumb. It's a, 
for for those listening, it's called a bullpup configuration. B U L L dash P U P. I'm trying to simplify it for the people, dude. I know it, it's in the back. I try to give the people an education. Okay, hey, that's a little cool bit too. more than they bargained for. I knew this was an informal thing. Guys. Listen, you're listening to this for free, and I so you're getting you more information. What a was till now, and now you know. Yeah, it means the magazine is behind your hand. Yeah. Anyway, like there was a huge uh, because apparently the battalion didn't have ammo blanks. Yeah, right. Hey, oh, wait, our battalion to... or theirs? Ours. Oh, Our battalion goodness. did not have enough money to get ammo, which is funny. I was like, okay, so we're going to be in Australia to be a presence in the South Pacific. But Bro, you where don't does have... all of our money go? I thought we funded our military well. Um, the that may don't. be something. The core don't. You want to know what they? That may be something you can't talk to. I don't know. No, the but... Navy. No. Okay, so the Department of the Navy. Yes. Which... The Marine Corps, oh, yeah, they sit inside the Navy, right? Yeah, so oh, we, there's your the problem. Marine Corps doesn't get budgets directly, like the Army, the Air Force, and our dear retarded brother, the Navy. I hate them. They take all our money. They actually <laughs> invested in the F-35, which was the dumbest investment of our military budget I've ever <laughs> freaking seen. You got ourselves a fatter F-22 Raptor. That's what you got out of that. But it's up. It's a brand new plane. You don't understand. It'll change the course of history for about $22 billion freaking dollars. Like, dude, you know what you could do with $22 billion in a grunt unit? You'd make an unstoppable force. You could overthrow Urzikstan. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, next stop, Pichustan. Let's go to Pichustan. 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 <laughs> Every citizen's like a little Pokemon there. Anyway. Okay, I, de- I derailed you. I'm sorry. Okay. Please continue. So we're we'll talking about PBS 14. Uh, then we got on budgeting, but we can go back to we can go back to night vision. Oh yeah. So and their guns, their guns are bad. Their guns are terrible because to reload to do like a speed reload with a, a freaking AUG or anything that's in a bullpup configuration, you have to bring it up to the workspace, which is literally right. holding it in front of your face. Yep. Which means you can't see anything now. Yep. You could have a dude right in front of you. Well, too bad, because all of this junk is now in front of your face. Whereas, if you have the M4, you can engage the target. Pop, 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 pop. Oop, out. With the same finger that you're firing with, you can release the magazine and still see what's out there. Grab another magazine, clip it in, slap it, without even dropping your weapon arm. And that's what I like about them. And that, and they're really light and... First tall. <clears throat> well, yeah, augs are pretty heavy, aren't they? Yeah, they're really rear heavy. Yeah, because the whole firing mechanism is in is the back rear. There. There's everything's in the back. Yep, and then you got, and then you've got like a twenty inch barrel on top of that. So you, mm, it's pretty okay. The length of it's nice. I like the length of the aug. I do. Okay. It's so they just may have everything the else sucks about it. <laughs> it really does. Because you guys cross-trained, right? Mm-hmm. So on deployment, you cross-trained with the Australians' weapons. Of course. But not their gear and not their... Well, um, I mean, they're probably not going to hand you $50,000 night vision, but... I wish they would. Why Why not? They already give us, like, $25,000 night vision that just sucks. PBS-14, the monocular yeah. one, is not cheap either. Could but bump those numbers up. Those are rookie those numbers. Those are some rookie numbers there, bud. If you can't buy a car with the same money you can buy an odds with... You're wrong. It's huge. (laughs) 
It's whack. Um, but uh, where are we going? Where are we going from there? Uh, so night vision, they're better equipped. Oh, but... the plate carriers light, like I was saying. Uh, yeah. Mine's a tank. There's a bib. I literally threw on my buddy who's a medic for them. His name was uh, Jell, and I was like, hey, man, let me uh, kind of put on your plate carrier real quick. It looks cool. He's like, yeah, maybe you can put it on. And I put it on, and I was like, did I put anything on? <laughs> did I really put anything on? He's like, And then I let him put mine on. He was like, oh, heck no. What is this? Yeah. I was like, it's a full-on carriage, man. There you go. Yeah. You could you could run through a wall like That's that. That's a battle wagon right there, <laughs> son. battle wagon. You just became a siege engine. Congratulations. So, do they use the same type of ceramic and Kevlar plates, do you know? Or do they use some other type of, like, glued Kevlar? I don't know. No, they have some light armor. Still as effective as ours, but right. light. Way light. I Do you know the level? The protection level? Is it level, like, four? No, it's... it's I think theirs is level... No. Uh, ours are level four. Okay. I believe. Yeah. And I think theirs is level like three, three alpha, something like that. Okay. I know my Ooh. plates in there are level three plus. Yeah. Um, which is good enough for me. I don't know why they do level four, but they do. I can't use that plate carry in the right. core, even though yeah. it has everything it needs. Yeah. But the core is like, if you can't use, like if you get injured and you don't use the issued gear, you, it's not our fault and you get killed let's say you get killed without using the issued gear you can't get your life insurance like your family uh, can't get the life insurance mm-hmm. i'm like that's dumb because if i had a better like kit to wear that allows me to move faster yeah hey get it i won't die that's yeah. crazy huh. huh i'll just outrun the bullet <laughs> so, i don't know dude uh so look these different rating levels. Yeah. So essentially what the Marine Corps issues you is essentially bullet resistant up to what? 30-06 armor piercing? <laughs> you wish. No, it's more no? up okay. to... So that's uh, four, that might be 4 plus then. So... I forget the levels. We had to know them the for standard, police explorers. The standard for armor plates. Because the same of the plates I use in mm-hmm. the Marine Corps, the same plates I have personally, they all can withstand up to 762 by 39 millimeter which is the soviet round so ak's sks's all that yeah um the army is now trying to adopt the real ar500 armor because that ain't real ar500 this ar500 that is a lot lighter and thousands of times stronger we're talking about can withstand 308 lapua which is a 38 three it's 338 Lapua. Whatever. Well, yeah, wait. Or 308 AP is what you're talking about. The, whatever one Lapua is, it's a fat round. It's Right, yeah, it's, so it's that's 338. Freaking, yeah, it's something that will make a watermelon just blow into bits. Yeah. It can withstand that, which means... And they tested out with a 7.62 with the AK. Yeah. And the dude shot it like 100 plus times, and then, then it started yeah. to give way. I was like, dude, if you walk through a building trying to clear and you have those plates, you're practically a T-800 Terminator. You're practically... You're probably, you won't get killed. You'll be like, oh, that hurts. Well, guess what? There I am. Yeah. I guess if it all hits you in the... In if the it all hits you in the dang <laughs> chest, which it probably won't, but imagine. Yeah. Um, For the sake of argument, let's imagine you're getting hit in the chest. Because they that's all they know how to hit. In a perfect world, 
Yeah, in, a, in theoretically. Theoretically, we all know that we don't do that though. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, but that's the the kind of plate that the army's looking at. I'm just like, that sounds nice. Yep. Because I want to. I want as a marine grunt. I want to be able to move faster without being weighed down by mm-hmm. such makes you more effective makes me more effective makes everybody be able to operate longer more efficient more efficient you don't burn as many calories and then on top of being more of a slim kit yeah going through tight spaces like room clearing and whatnot is a lot easier because if you're wearing if you've ever had like side sappy plates on it 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 makes you feel like you've gained so much oh, yeah. on your waist, like you've been eating at McDonald's for the last like six months nonstop. Yeah, it's it's bad. It it, it puts it like right here, and then you're yeah. trying to go through a tight corner with two people trying to go through my sister's door. There, yeah, is impossible. Yeah, no, you're like you're always like, oh, oh, oh. yeah, room clear, <sighs> cool. get out my way, get out my way. Next thing you know, dude's coming through the window with. Like a fully automatic weapon, you're just done, right? Because you are, and he's got a canalized right there at the door. Yep. Well, that's my standpoint on it. Well, you know, it's uh, budgeting is a nightmare. Number one, number two, bureaucracy is a nightmare. It's, you know, it's just that's the way it is. Yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. We're gonna take a break for a second. We'll be right back. Sweet. And we're back. We are back. So we were talking about um, gear and stuff, but mm-hmm. life on deployment is definitely gonna be different than life stateside. Yeah. So um, more more on the deployment side so you're saying get up do pt is mm-hmm. that is that the same thing that's still going on yeah it's still going on and when you're deployed it's more of instead of the mentality is we got to get all this paperwork done it's more of a uh stay ready mentality because mm-hmm. when we were in australia they gave us two reasons we were there one to work interoperability with the australians mm-hmm. and to to uh if something pops off in the um south pacific we're there we're the most forward unit at that point right so one of the things that popped up if you remember the hong kong riots <laughs> yeah there was an entire uh murph d <laughs> which is the, the rotational force in darwin uh-huh there was an entire like everybody that's part of murph d get accountability of because hong kong is it's getting popping crazy off. i was like let them pop off I'll well, pop off. You know, what's what's interesting to me is that seems like more of a like civil populace sort of problem. Like it it seems more of a law enforcement issue, not necessarily a military issue. So it's not. So what what were they telling you guys if you can talk about it? What were they telling you guys um uh, about like what to be prepared for if X happens, we're going to go. And it was really dumb. It was like they're the riots in Hong Kong are getting crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just you know they're getting more belligerent to the government, and uh, be prepared to uh, 
support the Hong Kong police in putting down okay. this riots. And I was just like, Damn. oh, interesting. So you would you would have gone to support the Hong Kong police, not necessarily to back up rioters. Of course not. Okay. The only way we'd back up the rioters is if they were actually freedom fighters fighting a dictator, but the Hong Kong. Right. They're well, technically, they're rightful. close enough if you ask me, but. We were about to support the Hong Kong police in that out in that little aspect. Hmm. Okay. So, huh? Yeah. Although there was probably a uh, Captain Price somewhere overlooking the protest, going, <laughs> "Oi, lads, we're gonna go. I need weapons. Hey, soap. We're gonna go take out the Hong Kong riders. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um. Interesting. So they're they're basically, as as the forward operating person mm-hmm. or forward operating unit yeah, at yeah. that point, you're essentially there in case something crazy goes down, like pirates or it could be anything from oh, pirates or pirates or pirates. Okay, and like that's not. It's more of like uh, Australia is really close to China, Korea. Right. And all of them, if they start messing around, we get right. put into action. Like every time North Korea shoots off a missile, I'm sure everybody gets a big, gets a big briefing. We're on... going, boys! Second Korean War, here we go! But no, yeah. um, theoretically, or actually not theoretically, uh, that war never stopped. It you know about recently, that? It recently has did... come to a conclusion. Okay, so they they did sign something. It took 62 freaking years, but yeah, they finally, yes. They uh, took the armistice deal and actually made it a real thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's that's why we're there. Yeah. It, and the freaking pirates came, dude. Like, what are they <laughs> going to do? They got a dinghy and a couple AKs. Yeah. Wow. We have the Australian Navy, which is not... Which, I mean, they probably wouldn't send, like, regular Marines. Because when they rescued Captain Phillips, they sent SEAL Team 6. Yeah. Or whatever the... Uh, well, maybe it wasn't six. It was, it was one of the, it was SEAL, one of the teams. SEAL teams. It doesn't matter. They're all SEALs. Yeah. DevGrew's just... Like special SEALs. The best of the SEALs, quote-unquote. But they're all SEALs. Um, just like every beret is a beret, they all have the same skills. Right. It's just some of them may be extra special. The difference between the SEAL teams is where they operate. Yeah. If you didn't know. like That's with any tier one operating force right they all have you got the same east skill. coast you got west coast well, no it's not even that like, philippines um, you got like i was looking at what the the marsoc battalion the raider oh, battalions yeah. Do, yeah, yeah. right and you got three raider battalions you got one in pendleton and you got two in lejeune uh-huh. the first battalion they take care of uh, pacific command okay so they, they take care of pacific you got second mm-hmm. raider battalion they take centcom okay which is which is US Middle East. Oh, Middle East. Is, okay. is the Middle East. And you got um the third one that is uh whatever they call Latin American command or whatever, you know. They take care of the so- uh South America with all that. Oh. Huh. Yeah, it's kinda crazy. So with that with So basically three, any place that we're not sure how these two bit dictators are gonna pop off in a second. Those three AOs are actually quite big. So just those yeah. three area of operations, you cover like the, the entire world. Yeah, actually, 
Well, yeah, any any place that isn't like a first world area, right? Because you've got Iraq, not exactly. I mean, they're like almost a third world country. You got you know places in South America that you know are practically war zones, practically just like Afghanistan is. Yeah, yeah. Except it's you know drug kingpins and stuff. Yeah, the cartel. I think the cartel is more brutal than ISIS and Al Qaeda or the Taliban or Mujahideen, like. No, I think the cartel is a lot worse. They're they different methods, but I think they're more brutal. They're they're cousins essentially. Mm. Um, they're all family members. <laughs> it's because no, the cartels are because we were talking when um, Venezuela was really kicking up, mm. and they were about to really like that calmed down a lot. I don't know what exactly happened because Maduro didn't step down. Mm-mm. And the guy that was going to, that was basically challenging him, that said he was rightfully elected. Yeah, yeah. Um, he didn't take power. He's in like Colombia or something like that, right? Now. Not that Colombia is any better. No, but not the at all. area of Colombia that he was in was apparently protected or something like that. I don't know for sure. But that brings up a good point. You really don't have to go far past the the mexican border to find a war zone i mean yeah you go into juarez juarez is like cartel capital of mexico yeah juarez or tijuana or something like that i've been to tj tj's not as the marine in the marines i've not been i went with brianna one time yeah and that was the funny story we saw because they don't have any alarm systems in mexico their alarm systems are these jacked pit bulls that'll like tear your face off love pit bulls to death but this one was all black with black pupils and it was barking at us we called it el diablo yep and that's what it was it was a dog sent straight from satan himself just a hellhound looking thing yeah scared the living crap out of me and brianna both we're like dude we shouldn't be here (laughs) (laughs) whose idea was this this was i who did we go with i don't know but it was like bunch of white folk and tj's not that's <laughs> uh, not that's not suitable no my life expectancy no, dropped like you know, a lot <laughs> yeah you know you gotta there's it's a certain amount of time before something happens when you are northwest pacific northwest person white person you're white as a sheet <laughs> and you're in mexico that's a completely different territory completely and so, I mean, obviously, it'd be it, it's easy to pick you out, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, it's, hey, they don't belong. Oh, and and it shows too. We were getting looks from any everybody. the The worst of them all was the people that were just doing their jobs. These are the the shopkeepers. Yeah. Because they knew we were not from these parts, so they're trying to sell us their opal necklaces for stupid prices we're like oh my gosh we're just here to spread the gospel yeah not buy an opal necklace from you guys but hey i bought some churros there that was good i bought a bag of of authentic churros for like five dollars yeah five american dollars that was the best deal of my life because those (laughs) were those were spot on yeah smack they smacked well anyway (laughs) Yeah, no, it's uh, Mexico's one of those places. There was, um, I listened to a podcast with a guy that was a cop from Mexico, uh, but he was in he was in Tijuana, 
He was a cop in Tijuana, and he was he was in for 13 years. I didn't think they had cops in Mexico, but yeah, okay. <laughs> well, doesn't seem yeah. like it. It no, it probably doesn't because they're understaffed. Most of them have already sold out to the to the cartel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how their life expectancy is more than five years. And, you know, it's it's rough because basically the cartel runs the country. Mm-hmm. For, the, for the most part, the cartel runs the country. And it's it's just really rough. And I feel I feel very bad for the people down there because they don't deserve to be run by drug cartels. But that's the way, for some reason, their country has either developed mm-hmm. – or I don't see what's keeping them down. I mean, they seem to have plentiful natural resources that they could exploit. They seem to have a wonderful trade border with the United States. What's keeping them from being Canada? That's the question. Um, it can't what's be keeping all... them being Canada is the cartel, honestly. It's not yeah. safe in Mexico for any. That's why we Marines aren't allowed to go to TJ anymore because of the gang activity there. Yeah, I'm kid you not. These, I've seen a picture of one of the cartels there, and they are suited up like they're military. I thought they were military members, but yeah. the, but the image labeled said that it was uh, part of some dude's cartel, and they had like SWAT gear on with AKs. And I was like, Yeah, what the flip is going on here? Yeah, um, and you know, being a, a, a marine and civilian attire, trying to go to TJ to party hard. You wouldn't last a chance, believe it or not. No, probably not, because that, they'd pick you out. Yeah, they'll pick you out because you have a haircut that's very obvious. You're white or something other than that. But the way you walk. The, the way you the walk way is going to... walk like we're drilling all the time. Yeah, I figured. But also, the reason they don't let us go is because there's a huge uh, huge presence of cocaina. Oh, there. yeah. If you know what cocaina is, that's, the, uh, that's bogus sugar. That's cocaine. We don't like that. Um <laughs> The, it turns out the core frowns upon the coke. They frown on any drug. Yes. Yeah. On any, like, anything from uh, cannabis all the way to um, anabolic steroids. Yeah. If you test positive for any of those, you're out. You're gone. Right. And, but they'll allow us to drink like a... Like, like a, a sailor. sailor. Like a sailor. Hey, hey. there you go. Um we Marines can drink better than sailors. I don't care what you say. Um, but, uh, yeah, they like frown upon that. It's like, okay, but I get it though. Like drugs is not a thing you should get yourself into. And, uh, I've seen many Marines get kicked out because they just couldn't keep themselves well, away I, from I, it. Or... I literally, there was a guy that got kicked out from three, one, when I was in there because he was doing Coke in his barracks room. And the officer on duty wow. caught him. Yeah, that was in the officer on duty at the time was my platoon commander at the time, mm-hmm. Lieutenant Malcolm. I remember that. We were like, uh oh, <laughs> he caught someone with coke. He's going to do an inspection on all our rooms. It yeah. didn't happen, but like, I was like, it's going to be top to bottom. Yeah, it's going to be top to bottom. Open up every drawer that you have. And I knew one of my buddies had probably some Maker's Mark or something there. And we're not allowed to have hard liquor in the barracks. Okay. Well, that's that's like, that's chargeable actually. Yeah. 
um, not rig time, but you can get NJP'd for that. Yeah. And uh, what is NJP'd? I I yeah, don't so, know that one. So yeah, okay. Probably people listening to this don't know it either. It means non-judicial punishment. It's when there's multiple levels of it. You got a company level, battalion level, regimental level, and well, not regimental level. No, yeah, there's four that I know of. Company, battalion, regimental, and mu level. Mu level, marine expeditionary unit level. Um, company level NJP, you don't lose rank. You mm-hmm. lose pay and you get restricted. Battalions where you lose rank. Any mm-hmm. battalion, regimental, and mu level is where you lose rank and all of the above. You know. Yeah. I have experience with the mu level one, the one that I told you about with uh, me just moving someone's trash and they thought I stole his protein powder or whatever. That was mu level because... I committed because a crime. Theft. Yeah. A theft. I just threw his trash away because he left it on the middle of the ship like a pig that he is, but whatever. Um, but he, when you commit a crime against the UCMJ, mm-hmm. the Uniform Code of Military Justice for you that don't do well with acronyms, um, and you are chopped to a MU, <laughs> yeah. that's a MU level offense because you're no longer part of a battalion, you're part of a, a MU. The only difference is instead of a battalion mm-hmm. or like a lieutenant colonel uh, NJPing you, it's a full bird. And yeah. when you stand in front of a full bird colonel. Who's probably it, been in for what, 15 years, 20 years? A colonel? Yeah. We're talking like 25 maybe. Uh, okay, we were on something. We talked about NJP because why? Because I said NJP and Yes. The acronym challenge people out there don't know what that means. Yes. Okay. Um, but we were on a subject. We were on drug use. Okay. Oh, Tijuana. Tijuana, drugs. Yep. Drugs, okay. And you frowned upon that and all that. Yeah. Yes. So, um, I'm going to make a note real quick. But what – so maybe you could kind of detail for people. Yeah. Either – Maybe like the most impactful moment that really taught you something, either while you're in the core or maybe just in like life in general. Was there one event or one thing that really kind of shaped the way that you see life, um, think about things, or really taught you something that you think other people should know about? So like I said, like I told you earlier before the interview started, um, uh, the old squad leader I had that would, you know, when you think you knew everything and then he would hit you with a piece of knowledge that you don't know and he made you feel stupid. Yeah. Um, that ingrained a sense of, I could always learn something new. Once I learned my job, learned someone else's job, mm-hmm. master his job and my job. And then eventually you get to the point where you know everybody's job and that's where you get that staff sergeant level of knowledge because... Uh, staff sergeant in the infantry they go to a course called infantry unit leaders course yeah and they know how to implement all the assets of an infantry uh platoon so we're talking like the rifle platoon the mortars the machine Mm -hmm. guns um even to the level where you can get like the uh the the cat teams which are like the anti-armor teams that are in the humvees with like the um missiles and all that Mm -hmm. and you learn how to like implement those into like attacks and stuff and you know yeah. how to like call all those and like it's a pretty slate course um, yeah. knowledge wise 
But that's that's where you have to know that you mastered your job, the other person's job. Because a staff sergeant mm-hmm. who's my platoon sergeant, like my old platoon sergeant before uh, the one I have now, he was a mortarman by trade. Yeah. But he was a platoon sergeant of a rifle platoon. Mm-hmm. So he knows the mortarman's job really well. But he also right. knows machine guns really well. He knows really well how to do rifle platoon stuff and how to lead that. Yeah. So that's where you got to learn pretty much everything. And he even taught us. He even told us, if I have to know it, you guys should know it. When yeah. we were getting a class on like uh, explosive breaching from the assault men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any sort of cross-training so that you can know somebody else's job is, number one, it's going to give you just a broader range of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. But also, it's going to teach you something more to be aware of, right? Mm-hmm. So if you, as a squad leader, mm-hmm. should, God forbid, find yourself in the place where you have to take over the staff sergeant's role, or yeah, whatever, yeah that could whatever, actually happen, yeah. Whatever the next level up is because he's incapacitated or whatever. That's what would happen, yeah. Um, if you should find yourself in that position, you should at least have a bit of knowledge like hey listen this is how you're going to go about you mm-hmm. know and there is and, and there is a course for that um the course under infantry unit leaders course that all the staff sergeants go to mm-hmm. there's isolk the infantry small unit leaders course mm-hmm. they teach you similarly how to implement all this but it's mm-hmm. at like a squad leader level like yeah. a like a sergeant like a corporal or sergeant level as opposed to a staff sergeant level just okay. in case that man goes down Right, because essentially what the infantry unit leaders course thing is, is so that platoon sergeant can pick up if the platoon co- like the platoon commander gets schwacked or something, yeah. and then it, or you know depending on how long he's been in a heart attack or you know you know what just has ev- a stroke in the middle of an attack like, yeah <laughs> done or no I'm just saying like even stateside right because what are they are they going to bring somebody in right away or are you going to have to fill his shoes for like a couple days while he's like in the hospital yeah, or, yeah. or if he whatever. has to go deal with like a personal issue it's happened before right yeah uh-huh um yeah that's anything could happen to somebody that's higher than you and if they're out of the fight you gotta pick up the spot if you're the next in line right and then we we try our best to train junior marines too they're just coming in the mm-hmm. team leader position some yeah. that hold some of the new guys that have really good potential mm-hmm. we try to teach them how to do squad leader stuff just in case me or my buddy Corneo or my buddy Rogers who the other two squad leaders gets out of the fight somehow. Right. Um, it's just like being a manager of the shop. If you're taking vacation, you need that assistant manager to pick up. Right. Yeah. It's that sort of thing. Um, and they, they try your best, like they try the, their best to like prepare you for that. But in a reality, if it's like an actual combat scenario, yeah. ain't nothing going to prepare you for that. No, probably ain't not. nothing going to like, you just do your best with what you got. You're going to watch, like, the dude above you get, like, injured or something, and you have immediately had to get into that position, like, in a second. Right. Just snap it on. And for a junior Marine that has, like, no advanced knowledge, mm-hmm. that's impossible. Right. But, you know, it all takes it takes practice. It takes courses yep. and, like, all that. For sure. And the, the cores got really nice courses, advanced courses you can go to. Like I was telling you, the um, AIC, the Advanced Infantry course, mm-hmm. that's a course they send you to. I'm going to go to it in August probably. Um, yeah. And that's 
where they teach you how to be a squad leader. So writing orders and that sucks. I've had, Paperwork. I, yeah, I've I've written three orders and the first one I did, we were out in the field and I was up from 9 p.m. till 2 a.m. the next morning just writing it because it's there's a section in the order you have to write. It's uh, it's called uh, coordinating instructions yeah. and it's bleeding detail. Nice. Everything of what goes down in the uh, operation. You're just like, oh, my gosh. I'm telling you, like, the direction of movement, you have to put, like, the direction on a compass on how you're moving. It's like, dude. So this is, like, an after action, or this is... Um... This is a before the attacking oh, okay, down, so this is before. Which is beautiful. So while I'm riding in order, I have whoever my assistant patrol leader is. It's yeah. the most senior team leader that you got in the squad. Mm-hmm. The most competent. He will take the squad out on any rehearsals that I need done, like, ASAP. Yeah. Um, while I'm riding the order, once I'm done riding the order, I can jump in on the rehearsals now. Um, but the order, riding the order is, um, a pretty taxing mentally thing. Yeah. You know? So whilst I'm doing that, the APL is getting like the ammo draw, the child draw, um, the rehearsals being done and all that, all the stuff that I need to get done at the same time that I'm riding the order. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you got a good relationship with your APL, and he's very competent. Yeah. You'll get everything done, like, no problem. But you got some people that are lazy that don't want to do rehearsals because it's like, oh, my gosh, we've done freaking buddy rushing all the dang time. Why do yeah. I have to do it now? I was like, I don't know. You could always perfect it. There's always things you can perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. Try it over Try it over a different piece of terrain try it over yeah yeah like work um, on the individual actions to try to find like the, there's the cycle of infantrymen you know suppress suppress move find cover and it just keeps going right um and yeah like individual actions you get too close to a guy during because you we we attack like that get too close yeah. to a guy hey tell him to shift over yeah okay if people do more individual actions it makes the team leader's job easier and if the team leader's job's easier yeah my job's easier. Mm-hmm. If anything, in a perfect world, as a squad leader, all you need to do is tell your team leaders what to do. Yeah. And they'll get it done. In a perfect world. In a perfect world. But there's always friction points. That's right. what it states in the uh, in a, a document that I re- that the Corps wrote a while ago. It's called uh, MCDP TAC-1 Warfighting. And it's just, uh, it's not like a, it's not a tactics thing. It's a, it's a, it's a publication on theory, the theory of warfare. And yeah. One of those things is friction. One of the, the principles is friction's always going to be there, whether it be garrison or in the field, in a combat zone, whatever. Right. It's going to come up. And you got to be prepared to deal with it. Right. You got to be prepared to work through it mm-hmm. and hopefully lubricate those friction points so that maybe they just, you can just blow right through them next time. Mm-hmm. Grease the squeaky wheel. Yeah. Um, grease it real well. I'm freaking, um, other than that, like, that's pretty much the life of an infantryman. You always try to get your better at your job because mm-hmm. your job out of the entire core is like the one job where if you're not good at it, like that could cost you your life or somebody else's, which is yeah. why we always harp. Like if you don't know your knowledge, you're going to get 
messed up with it, messed up big time by your leadership. Like if I walked in and see my junior Marines, I teach them like a, a nine line casualty report, which mm-hmm. you can do over the radio when you get a casualty. Very yeah. simple. It's like the first thing you can learn when you're in the feet, the fleet. I memorized it in like two days because I know that if I didn't do it faster than that, like we're running <laughs> yeah, and we're doing some dumb stuff because I don't know it. Then there's other guys that have taken no joke, like six months to even like know it, know it. Hmm. I'm like, those are the guys that make your life suck a lot. Yeah. But it's like, if you don't know that you're not going to get your boy out of the, the combat zone mm-hmm. and to the not, uh, next higher echelon of care. And if you can't yeah. do that, he's done. Especially if you have like a, a femoral artery right. nicked or something, he could be dead in like seconds. Chest wound. Yeah. Any sort of abdominal, any sort of wound to the abdominal cavity where there's no pressure. Like you can't, you can't apply pressure to the abdo- to the abdomen. You can't apply it to the chest. You the best you can, can do the best you can but, do is a pressure bandage. And that can only do so much. The the tourniquets are only for your extremities. Right. And you're right, you can't pack. Well, you can pack around the abdominal area to an extent, but you cannot right. do it up in the chest area because you could accidentally pack the dude's heart. Right. That would that's not good. That's, that's a no bueno. That that's is a no, a no bueno. bueno. That's where you gotta slap it on, right? Um, Some sort have of a, chest seal. A chest seal. There you go. Yeah, you yep. know, you know what's up. I got them in my bag. Do you really? I do. What a motivator! I love it. Um, yeah, and then you got like Sam splints. Oh, that's the worst. That's when you got to practice a lot. Is when you get like a fracture. Yeah, like an open fracture. People's like some oh, people o- don't o- even open know. fracture. Uh. Yeah, ooh, the bone sticking out. Yeah, you gotta like practice on how to like splint the the limb and and wrap it in like a type of bandage not a pressure bandage but like there's like you know wraps gauze wraps or whatever yeah uh burns is burns is something that we rarely get trained on because it's kind of hard to train like a chemical burn or like just a regular fire burn yeah yeah well it's hard to those are hard to simulate you know yeah they are because it's like because i mean and from what I can tell, I mean, you depending on how bad the burn is, I mean, you could not have meat left on your bone, depending on worst case scenario. Yeah, at that point, I mean, you're basically you're basically dead. Yeah, at that point, you're. Uh... That reminds me of was it that was a scene in We Were Soldiers or something like that. <laughs> that was the Mel Gibson movie about yeah, the yeah. Uh, was that the 101st that got or who was it? It's the was Fifth it bunch... Cav. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got dropped into Vietnam, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Guy gets hit with uh, friendly fire napalm. That sucks. Yep. And uh, the skin on his legs was just Play-Doh. Bloop. Oh, at that point, you just you just lost your legs pretty much. There's nothing yep. we you can't you can't bandage. You're not saving your legs. No, you and, can't you can't put anything on them really. I mean, it's like okay, morphine and see ya. They don't even have morphine anymore. I think the craziest thing the Corman's got is ketamine. Oh yeah, we don't do morphine no more. Probably because too many people got hooked on uh, the the opiates, bruh. No, you can get hooked on ketamine. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I've never tried. <laughs> I've never, never tried. Never had ketamine put into me before. It's probably. I don't even know. Ketamine. Hmm. Hmm. 
isn't that a dissociate that's like a dissociative right oh yeah so it's not it just takes it, it hits the nerve endings basically in your brain mm-hmm. and then makes you like it makes you makes you go happy places yeah it, it makes you take <laughs> your mind off of your leg that just got blown off yeah, yeah. for those who interesting yeah interesting so it probably doesn't put you in a different place you're probably still focused like here uh-huh. in the present yeah yeah you're not like in outer space you, you you don't blast off is basically what i'm saying you don't blast off like jimmy neutron and got a blast yeah. um no no but it's more of a, you, a yeah you disassociate yourself yeah from the world when you're on the stuff <laughs> um yeah never huh. had it done to me obviously because i've never had a crazy injury like that um right you probably have to go you probably have to get pretty bad you have to get real bad for that otherwise uh motrin and fresh socks motrin fresh socks water even if you have a flu (laughs) even if you have a flu freaking navy medical yeah yeah it's the best stuff man nice well water i can see you know just straight up pumping fluids all day long oh that's what yeah no that's why i had to go so bad i'm like i couldn't hold it anymore that's why we had to take a break because i I at least drank like (sighs) i drank like a gallon and a half today pretty fast too wow okay so i'm totally dehydrated then for today (laughs) well (laughs) i mean it's not like i do a whole lot right i just sit at a desk well yeah i'm just saying i like i that's the thing like water intake when I was in Australia, because it felt like the water was being pulled right out of you because it's so humid, like I was drinking yeah. two gallons a day because I would just walk around in the Australian humidity and then I would go to the gym at the same time in the afternoon. And Yeah. To even get stronger, your muscles need water. Right. So to you need an excess of water for it to, you know, be your muscles to be stronger. So I drank two gallons of water while I was there yeah. every day. And it would suck because I would go to bed, and because I drank like two gallons throughout the day, you have to get up in the middle of the in night. In the middle of the night, we're talking oh, that like sucks. you're talking like I wake up at like four in the morning and I'm trying to go back to sleep, but then I just feel it in my bladder and I'm like, okay, this is bad. And there's some people that just well, you can get up and take care of business, right? No, nobody's keeping you in in your bunk. Well, it's not prison. No, I mean I can. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, get up and I was hoping I was I didn't think the Marine Corps would go that far, but I wouldn't put it past the anybody. The only time I really did that was in boot camp. I was so afraid to get out of bed because if I got out of bed and like a drill instructor was walking around, I felt like I was gonna get just hazed on the spot in the middle of the night. Well, if you're the only one up, yeah, probably. Yeah, seriously, actually, I, I could not be the only one up, and it still happened. Those drill instructors have no chill. Um, <laughs> you have no chill. Like seriously, like there was one time I was just sleeping. It was like the middle of the night, and my uh, my drill had he's like the second senior, second most senior drill instructor that you have in your cadre. Mm-hmm. And uh, this fool comes up to me and he goes, "Hey Anderson, you're gonna die tomorrow." I sir, he's like, "Go to sleep. I'll see you in the morning." I <laughs> sir, and I was like, "Geez." Lo and behold, I woke up. About 10 minutes after I woke up, I was on the quarter deck just doing burpees and push-ups and crunches and freaking mountain climbers for like 30 minutes straight. And I was just like, wow. You come out. So, of- so it, 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 he, he just picked you? 
randomly? Or oh, dude, you... I've seen someone get it just for looking ugly. <laughs> just yeah. for looking ugly. Yeah, dude. This he, he walked in. The chief Jones started to walk in. He pointed at my friend Craig. He goes, "You get on the quarter deck. Go die. You look ugly." And I was like, hmm, "Wow." <laughs> I was like, "This is scary." Sorry, bud. This is going to be a really bad couple of years for you. On top of that, like uh, the, my chief Jones instructor, the chief Jones instructor that called my buddy. He was a he was the other one. There's two in your company. Ours is a rifleman by trade. And mm-hmm. He goes, "Who's who's going O three? And me being dumb motivated at the time was like, this recruit is, sir. And uh, he was like, oh, Anderson, oh, you're going to be my favorite recruit. You're going you're gonna to PT with me every morning. Oh, yeah. Like straight up Louisiana kind of guy. Uh, you're going to PT with me every morning, no, boy. No, he, he ain't no country. No, he's, his stats aren't Morales. He was, uh, he was... A very decorated combat vet. I mean, he was a sergeant. I've seen pictures of him before he was a staff sergeant. He was a sergeant as a, uh, a green belt drill instructor. Mm-hmm. And this fool had like a, a 12 ribbon stack already. I'm just like, Jeez. whoa. Okay, son. Um, he had shark teeth too. Like literally. What are like, those? Shark teeth? Yeah. Like literal shark teeth. Like his, oh, all, okay. all, his, all, all his teeth <laughs> look sharp. This is not an acronym. No, this is not an acronym <laughs> nor a term. He legit had like sharp teeth. Like if he bit your finger, it's gone. Type thing. Wow. I mean, yeah, no, he was he was cool. Physically I mean, intimidating. I mean, when you became a Marine, he was actually the coolest dude to talk to. Yeah. But like while you're a recruit, yeah. He he hazed the living crap out of me because he knew like, I was the only one that fessed up going infantry and he was like, We're gonna turn you into an infantryman today. And I just remember at the crucible, he asked me, he goes he goes, hey, Anderson, you think this is a crazy hill when we're going up the Reaper? And I was like, I was like, yes, sir, this recruit thinks it's a, a crazy hill. And he goes, well, it's not. I run this thing for PT all that time. I was like, oh, jeez. And lo and behold, he's not wrong, though. He's not wrong he at all. He actually runs it for PT. Well, not only that, like the hills that we run back in Horno, they're crazier than the, the Reaper. I have got to go to the Reaper – about a year after boot camp and I went I walked up the thing like it was nothing. I ran it up like it was nothing, but like But when you're a recruit it's a big deal. Oh, it's a huge deal, especially since you do the entire crucible, which is fifty six hours of continuous operating out there mm-hmm. with I think for the entire fifty six hours you get uh two MREs and that's it. You're supposed to get three, but I got two. Ow. <clears throat> My meal that I had before the hike to the Reaper, which is a good six mile hike, mm-hmm. then you go up the Reaper. I had like a, I had a package of like the the pears and the juice, and that was it. Let's roll. Oh really? Let's roll, boys. <laughs> and then uh, got to the Reaper, got to the top, got the EGA. Um, for those who know don't know what EGA is, it's the Eagle of an Anchor. It's the uh, the symbol of the Marine Corps. You get it when you become a Marine on top of the Reaper. Your senior drill instructor gives you it, and. Uh, after that, they give you broth. They give you an apple. Apparently, that's supposed to sustain you because you got like another eight mile hike going to the Chow Hall for the Warriors breakfast. And they call it the zombie hike because we're all dead. Yeah, we're all dead. In fact, we actually gave Staff Sergeant Morales the uh, the you know the one that called me out for being O three whatever. Right. We made him a uh, a hat like a campaign cover plaque. Yeah, it was cool. It had like a a three headed dragon on the front. Mm-hmm. And on the back of it, it had him in a cartoon form with, like, zombie recruits on, like, a leash. 
Oh. Because <laughs> he was the slayer of recruits. And he thought that was the coolest thing. He was like, you guys are the best. And, yeah. I don't know what he's up to. He probably got out. He was one of the few staff sergeants that have been in for 16 years. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. he was probably looking to uh, get out and move somewhere. Well, yeah. I mean, by now he's got a year left before he retires. Yeah. He's probably uh He's probably a... He's either a gunny or a first sergeant by now. It's been quite a bit of time. I know I he has to be because my most junior drill instructor is now a chief drill instructor. Okay. So, I don't know. I don't know what he's up to. But if I ever saw him, I'd probably lose my mind. Be like, <laughs> oh, man, there he is. <laughs> mm. Crazy things like that happen, though. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll probably see him at some point. I mean, if he stays, I don't know. He could honestly, he could honestly go anywhere, and you'd probably find him on a vacation. Well, geez, I saw, so yeah, I saw one of my combat instructors a year ago. I saw one of my combat instructors at the bar, and I was just like, oh, geez, oh, please don't remember me. Please don't remember me. He looks at me, he goes, hey, Anderson. I was like, <laughs> how you doing, Sergeant? And he's like, he's like, how you doing? I was like, I don't know, I'm just living the fleet life. He's like, that's good. That's so, good. <laughs> he's like, that's good. How's that treating you? I was like, oh, you know, it's treating me. So do you think it's – is it interesting for you to think about maybe doing something like that in the future, like bringing up the next generation? Like if you, if in six years – let's say, crazy thing, in six years you're like, I can't, I can't, leave, the, I can't leave the core. Right. It, yeah. By God's miracle, I don't want to leave the core. I mean, the core's not bad. It's just there's a lot of stuff that goes on where you're like, oh, my God, why did I do this? But anyway, um, combat instructor is no longer a I ask myself b- that question when I go to work every day. Mm-hmm. Well, not not every day. There are really good days where I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, but, but for the, the amount of pay that we get, it's not worth it, it sometimes. It is. It is. It is uh, you guys don't get paid enough. Definitely. No, no. no. Um. But, like, combat instructor is no longer a special duty assignment. You can still do it as a, um, you can still do it as a B billet, which is, you know, going to do something special like, uh, security forces or, uh, but it's, yeah, no, wait, sorry. It's no longer a special duty assignment like special, or special forces, geez, security forces, uh, drill instructor and recruiter. Mm-hmm. Those are like the three now. There used to be the combat instructor was at it, but they took it out now, so nobody wants to do it anymore. Yeah. It's like, wow. Then you got my squad leader now who, when he came to us, was a combat instructor over at SOI West where I went to SOI. Now he got orders to go to SOI East mm-hmm. to be a combat instructor. I was like, dude, you cannot – you you can't stop being a combat instructor. Can He's like, I like the job. You train people how to do your job. And you, it's like what you just said, bring up the next generation. But, like, being a drill instructor, that would be – it would be cool and all. But, like, mm-hmm. that's three years of being perfect. Yeah. It, that's definitely something that's really tough to live up to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely don't – I don't – I do not envy those guys. And, I, you know, I see – I remember my first gunny and – he, my first company guns, he came, he came into the fleet uh, when I was in three, one, he was, a uh, he came straight out of the drill field mm-hmm. and I hated him. I really did. I was like, wow, this guy, this guy is really, 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 really motivated on the orders and all that. Like the, 
uniform orders and all that. You yeah. got like a little hole about like not even that big, and he's just like, better fix that. I'm just like, well, sorry that I like sorry I was crawl doing on my rocks. Job. Yeah, like it's 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 whack sometimes how they are. They're like, oh, bring your boot blousings up to like right here where yeah. it's like you know you see some sock. And I'm like, that's actually that's... out of regs, but whatever. Yeah, I'm, how much how much do you think of what uh, people in leadership tell you to do is a power trip? Like they're telling you to do it because they have oh, authority sh- all the time, all the time. There's one time where, um, there was one time where someone, like a staff sergeant, was not wearing a Scooby shirt, and for my first, and that's like the was, base layer shirt. Yeah, it's like right? yeah, that's like the t-shirt. It's like a white t-shirt. Thing, it's a yeah, it's an olive drab t-shirt that you wear under your uh cami blouse yeah and he wasn't wearing one and first sergeant was like you need to you need to wear a scooby shirt and the staff sergeant was like with all due respect first sergeant like the order says you don't have to wear one if you're in a certain environment you know yeah and he was like oh i know but like i'm telling you to go put one on okay so he just wanted he maybe wanted unit cohesion everybody to be the same Kind of thing. Even though the other guy was like quoting rules. We were in the him. field. Oh, okay. Unit cohesion. Well, unit cohesion. I mean, unit uniformity. If you're stateside, I can see more of that. If you're oh, actually deployed. No, if you're deployed. stateside, no. But if we're in Australia where it's like hotter than snot, then okay. I don't see why yeah. you should wear one. I don't think they wear They don't wear one when you go to like. Afghanistan or Iraq gets grody. It gets real grody, like Twenty Nine Palms, especially, which is like the closest thing to Iraq that I will ever probably go to. Um, that is hot during the day and gets real freaking cold at night. Yeah, and it's a desert for Pete's sake. But I don't, I don't see why you need to wear a skivvy shirt there. Like, that's it gets way too hot with a skivvy shirt because I think you're wearing a blouse that doesn't breathe. Yeah. You're wearing a plate carrier mm-hmm. that heats you up. Pretty, that also doesn't fast. breathe. That think, doesn't breathe. Think of it like that nice reflective wrapper around a hot pocket, and how that thing just crisps it up so nice and makes the core molten. And you're in the middle of a microwave. That's a plate carrier. That's a plate carrier. <laughs> that is, yeah. Hey, but it saves your life. Yeah, I mean, I've played airsoft with plate carriers, right? that have a foam insert like these aren't heavy it's a foam insert this is a ceramic kevlar plate that you put in these these are like five pounds a piece so it's heavy Mm -hmm. it's sticking to you Mm -hmm. and like i sweat through everything i'm wearing Mm -hmm. if i've got a like a playing plate carrier on yeah like i'm playing a game yeah 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 and then you put you actually do it for real and i can only imagine the amount of suck that that must be yeah no imagine putting that that piece of heat inducing equipment on and then sprinting with it yeah in yeah. full battle rattle in as full they battle say. rattle as they say yeah sprint it's like geez there's one time where we're oh it reminds me that battalion clear i told you i would talk about earlier yeah so i had so this well, is on uh, like a training operation. This right? is the yeah. This is a training operation at the biggest um, urban terrain 
range in the military. Okay. Everybody, like the army uses it. We use it. It's at 29 Palms. They nickname it Fallujah. Because yeah. it's the it's the size of the actual place. Is it really? It's huge. Oh, wow. Let's just say I was in full battle route also. Uh, the plate carrier, uh, the Kevlar helmet, which is heavy enough to, believe it or not, um, the rifle, an assault pack on with some stuff in it. And then I had a Thor system, which is a... Um, it's a cool little device that sends out radio signals to block out radio-controlled IEDs. And apparently it's SOP Marine Corps-wide to bring one in for urban terrain. Oh, nice. Yeah. But the thing's not light. And I already had yeah. it. It's supposed to be worn like a backpack, but I already had an assault pack on. So right. what I had to do <clears throat> was in one hand, my right hand, I had my uh, my DM, which is not the lightest thing in the world when no. you have the suppressor on because that's another two pounds front heavy, whatever. And then you have this piece of equipment called the Thor, and that's a good 15 pounds in another hand. Mm -hmm. We started to clear the city at 09, and we finished clearing at like 02 the next morning. Wow. Yeah. And this is a battalion? This is a battalion level thing, which sucked was because my With live fire or blanks? Blanks. Okay. There's no way we're doing live fire like this. No, no, no. But uh, I just remember my my company cleared our sector mm-hmm. by eleven and eleven p.m. and then Alpha Company took a mass cas and we had to pick up their sector and that's why it took nice. us till that's why it took us till zero two because I was like and by the time zero two rolled around if you didn't think it was slay enough we had to roll into urban PB ops patrol base ops which is a constant cycle of patrol security rest, patrol security rest for like three days when the night hit and I went to sleep at the top, uh, top floor where my squad was sleeping. It was like sleeping in the hood. Um, I'd be sleeping there all of a sudden I just hear, uh, just machine gun fire. And then like, they have these little things that are like simulated mortar drops. So it sounds like a, well, like indirect fire coming in with like the whistle and everything. And I'm just like, Oh, my god are we being attacked right now and then when i heard the fire come on this so it, it was the coolest thing ever because we had my rifle mm-hmm. its scope and then we put a uh, we put a thermal device that goes oh, in, in front, front of the scope yeah. so you can look through a scope and see thermal yeah that was a game changer because i saw a group of six insurgents go into a building right and i told i told uh platoon sergeant oh like i was like uh, at the time it was uh sergeant adams i told her like hey sergeant we got six dudes going into the building that's like 100 meters away and he sent out the next squad mm-hmm. the squad went on on squad went in on them while they were just chilling they had like their ak's racked up against the wall and yeah second squad went in there and just blew them away blank warfare not real yeah. but if it was real, they would have been done in, like, seconds. I just watched it happen through this thermal scope. I'm just yeah. like, yep, and they've made entry, and the enemy is done. Cool. And they came back. Yeah. And our PB was not attacked at all, but right across the road from us was one of Alpha Company's patrol bases. And apparently during the clear, everything that happens during this clear 
can come and bite you when you do the PB odds. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was they're in the clear alpha company actually shot up a mosque, which in the eyes, and this is Islamic, uh, role players, right? It's kind of, uh, so Islamic they, sh- set. they shot up a mosque, meaning in the scenario, mm-hmm. they just walked in and started shooting in a mob. Like what, what yeah, was the idea? Like, the idea was to clear out the city, and apparently there was insurgents inside the mosque. Yeah. But the the people, not everybody that was a role player was an enemy. It was quite cool because you had, like, actually civilian populace running around yeah. while you got the uh, insurgents trying to take you guys out. Yeah. And uh, Alpha Company shot up a mosque, and so the next day the people heard about it, quote-unquote heard about it. Yeah. And I remember just sitting there on security at a window watching this riot of <laughs> role playing like Islamic role playing people yeah. terrorize their patrol base. And when we saw that, we had engineers attached to us where I made good friends with a couple engineers and they put up like uh barbed wire around yeah. our PB just so we don't have that. But they never came to attack us. Yeah. Um it was really cool. Because we had interpreters too, yeah, that spoke Islamic and they were cult- they they were really culturally Islamic, and uh, we would trade them MRE coffee packets and they would take them, yeah, and they come back with like authentic Islamic food. We're talking like the flatbread and uh, some, oh wow, some uh, you can make like little little euros or whatever, yeah, out of them. And then uh, they brought tea and uh, <clears throat> the weirdest thing I did. When I was there, was I, I took an onion, put honey on it, and I took a bite out of it like an apple. Yeah. It sounds disgusting, but morale booster, believe it or not. I was like, whoa, this is food besides an MRE. We're, in the, yeah. we're living large here, boys. Um, So, yeah. So, who do they get to do these role-playing things? I've always wondered. Um, Civilian volunteers. Okay. There's obviously, depending on the scenario, you got to have... um. Like for these guys, they actually knew how to spe- speak um, Arabic. Yeah, and so you obviously have to fit the role of the scenario. Like in another Mount Town IIT is uh, they model it after um, uh, Marawi City in the Philippines, and okay. so everybody that's part of that whole thing is Filipino. Nice culturally. So that's cool. Yeah, and it, it, the, that the cool thing about that place is they actually have like a scent. Spencer, oh, really? so you're walking through and it smells like a uh, a Filipino village yeah. with like the livestock smell, which it, I'm not saying it smells good people, but like it's, it's authentic. Right. It, well, it set up. if you've been to a fair, it smells like a fair probably. Well, a little bit of sewage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that'd be cool because you got like a you picture like a third world country market where like it's like lined up like this and everybody yeah. lives close by and they're just trying to sell you apples and right you know so you walk like through. down main street essentially there's shops on either side yeah or... down main street you got shops on either side and they're trying to sell you like and now there's one lady that I, every time i've been there twice and same lady she's like you want an apple apple and i'm just like walking there patrolling i'm looking around i'm like not even paying attention to them like I can't, I can't take my eyes off the, of the area right? just in case there's like an IED, like right next to a shop or yeah. there's someone up there about to like ambush us or something. I, I can't 
pay attention. The squad leader can deal with the civilian populace and talking to officials and all that. Yeah. My job at the time as a general purpose Marine, as a, like a regular rifleman in the squad, is to make sure nothing happens. Right. But it's crazy because they'll be selling, pretending to sell stuff to you, and all of a sudden, like, an IED will go off, kill a civilian. Yeah. Drag the civilian into a, a room and then conduct a immediate action drill for an IED slash uh, short-range ambush. Right. We'll do that. But this particular training zone has a camera at every single angle to oh where, so they yeah, can see how you they react see how everything they see everything yeah. every angle of the iit is has a camera now the guys that they get to be your debriefer are probably the most experienced dudes in the field yeah one dude i had was a six-year marsoc operative mm-hmm. so he knows what's up the and that was only for day one the next two days we had this master sergeant that was a, a grunt for 23 years mm-hmm. this is the kind of guy that had a story for every debrief point that he gave. yeah yeah and he was he was really cool he had his beard down to here and you know it's real oh so real... he came in like an, an advisor he he wasn't mm-hmm. like he wasn't in the core anymore Mm-mm. yeah and this guy's retired um and you know there was one time there's the second there's like uh, this place, there's an outdoor part and there's an indoor part. Mm-hmm. In the indoor part, there was this uh, this farmer, and we talked to him, and then we just left him alone and walked yeah. away. And he gave a debrief point. He's saying he might be an old farmer, he might look like an old farmer, but you cannot trust nobody in a combat zone. Vietnam. Yeah, no, he was, t- and then he told a story about how he was in Iraq or Afghanistan, one of those areas. And they were talking to a farmer. They got intel out of the farmer, and the moment they walked out the dude's house, the farmer grabbed an AK and swacked one of the dude's guys because yeah. that farmer was paid by the Taliban to hunt any NATO forces that come into the, the town. Yeah. And it was like a really hefty price. It was like an equivalent to our $100 US per head. And it was like, wow. And he was an old geezer farmer. Like that'll change a lot of lives in Afghanistan. That'll make you somebody that does not trust anybody. Yeah. And I, it's, it's whack. After that right. day, I really opened my eyes. I was like, wow, you can't trust nobody in the real world, but obviously I can trust people in the real world, but it's not if I'm over, if I was right. over in the sandbox, there's no way. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a completely different kind of life you have to live if mm-hmm. it's, overseas mm-hmm. because obviously you know you're operating in it's somebody else's house essentially mm-hmm. right this is no longer you know marine hq back in the states you know this is this really is it, it's real life at that point mm-hmm. it, this is life and death now mm-hmm. so yeah no completely completely different uh completely different mindset so kind of trying to wrap up here oh dang really it's been two hours dude i'm having so much fun though (laughs) well it could go on a little bit longer so for for kids yeah yeah. i say i say kids Mm -hmm. people about to be adults yeah yeah. um let's say they don't really know what they want to do okay but they kind of want to they've always liked the idea of the military 
or something along those lines. As somebody who's in, what what would you tell them to either get them ready for it, oh, direct man. them when they get as they're trying to pick out a branch or whatever, okay. you know. Assuming, let's say they're just like an average kid. Average kid. They got average grades. They got they did average, average stuff athletic, in school. Average athletic performance and all that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Nothing extraordinary. Okay. So it all depends on what they want to do in the military. If they want to be, if they just want to be in the military and know, let like have that identification that I have served in the military. Mm-hmm. Go to the Air Force, the Navy. The Army and the Marine Corps do not need anybody. Well, I mean, the Army probably could, but, like, the Marine Corps don't need anybody that don't want to be there fully. And it, it's a problem that I see all the time in the Marine Corps. They get they get, uh, they get get screwed over one time, and they just have this negative outlook on the, on the Marine Corps. Um, but to get physically prepared, um, for an average Joe or someone who has a little bit or, you know, a lot of athletic performance because you could be like me before I joined the core, did powerlifting and all that, but physical strength is not like combat strength at all. Mm-hmm. Um, combat strength is more endurance based, but yeah, you still need strength behind it. Right. Um, I have, um, uh, if you have an iPhone, there's an app that people can look up. It's called like the Marsoc fitness prep. And I know it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You want me to do a fitness prep for assessment selection. But I guarantee you, if you do the 10 weeks of that, you will be any prep, any prep. You can even look up the, you can even look up the, uh, I don't know if they have one, but there's a, uh, like a boot camp fitness prep thing. Yeah. Which I didn't do because I, I was pretty physically fit. The only thing I needed to work on a little bit more was like, a little bit more cardio, but I was mm. fine there. Um, boot camp is not something you can really prepare for, honestly, and that's for any branch, but especially Marine Corps, it's nothing you can really prepare for there. But if you're trying to like get an edge on people for physical fitness, I would do just so that you don't completely die every time they throw you in the pit. Yeah, I would do. I would do this Marsoc fitness prep, especially for the Marine Corps. For those of you that can't swim, there's in the Marsoc fitness prep, there's it, all it is is calisthenics, running, swimming, and rucking. For those of you who don't know what rucking is, it's when you put on a heavy pack, about 40 pounds. I'd say 40 pounds is a good number. And you could either, you try, you try to complete three miles at like a 12 minute mile pace, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or something crazy like that. I know that for the Marsoc uh, requirements, it's like you do 12 miles in three hours. There's a four mm-hmm. four mile per hour pace, which is with a pack like that, that's hauling. Yeah, that's that's hauling quite a bit. And don't pick. I mean, you can do just flat ground, but if you have like hills or any elevate like any inclines or anything like that i would try going up there either for like a regular run or the rucking part and then swimming if you can swim anywhere do it for and practice on like breaststroke and side stroke and just a regular freestyle 
and stuff like that. If you don't know how to do that, you can obviously look it up on YouTube and how to do it. Um, but yeah, uh, military strength, you can hit the weights, you can hit the gym. It, it's a good, it's a good way to do it, but you want to focus more on calisthenic work, pull yeah. up, body weight, pull ups, push ups, crunches, running, run, yeah. run, 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 run. Uh, yeah. Now correct me if I'm wrong, but in the end, it's their job to really break you down to the bare essentials of what is you and then build you back up in the way that they want you to go. So so it doesn't matter how physically prepared you are. Right. They are going to break you. And that's just that's just a thing. So as soon as you accept that, that you're going to you're going to get broken. Oh, yeah. It makes the suck a little bit more bearable. Well, yeah, if you go into the military thinking like knowing that you're going to uh get broken down you're not necessarily going to get broken down and they're going to fill you with their ideology they'll give you in in the marine corps you got honor courage and commitment are like the things that we uh we uphold but at the same time implement your own uh ethics into it that's that what makes a good marine is a marine that holds his standard to the marine corps but is his own man at the same time because uh, I can tell you right now, if I was just going by the core uh, and not holding any Christian values, I, yeah, I would not be the same Jacob Anderson that you know before I went in. I'd be totally different. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you can, physical physical fitness before going in is, that's not the biggest, it's not the biggest priority. You mm-hmm. should prepare it's yourself. Helpful. It's helpful. It's very helpful. But I guarantee you, like, if you go to boot camp, you'll you'll get there by the end of the training cycle. Whether it's the Navy's eight week or you go Marine Corps thirteen, like, you'll get her done. Yeah. Um, if you do go Marine Corps though, implement some swimming in there. You're gonna have to. Army, not so much. Navy, yeah. Air Force, no. So yeah. if it starts with A don't need to swim if it's department of the navy or you know or you go marine corps uh try to get your time swimming in there um and it doesn't have to be crazy it doesn't have to be like let's swim 1500 meters but try to do 500 meters of swimming every time you go out there to swim because 500 meters is probably the longest that you do for a test yeah 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 okay and that's that. Sometimes it depends on what uh, swim qual you're trying to do. Um, they try to if if you do intermediate, they try to get you to do the 500 meter in like 20 minutes or less. Okay. Which I can do it in. I can do it in 14. So if y'all can, if I can do it at 14, someone who is in better shape than me you can do it in less obviously it's not hard you just got to practice and practice and practice mm-hmm. that's the thing like the stuff that you need in the military is the stuff that you don't need talent for so discipline and uh determination and all that okay you don't need you don't need talent for uh always have in any job that you have, military or civilian, always have that mentality of you can learn more, be teachable. Um, 
because there's always going to be someone that knows more than you. Mm-hmm. And if you try to tell them that you know everything and think you're <laughs> you're hot, you're gonna get you're gonna get vibe check on spot. And it's yep. not fun to get vibe checked in the Marine Corps, and especially if you go any infantry route, whether it be the Army or the Marine Corps. The vibe checks in the infantry are vibe checks, and mm-hmm. if you just if you also go to the military, be prepared for them to be a lot of BS that goes down, a lot of BS, and it's going to sometimes it's going to drag you down. Just lift your head high and carry on. It's only it's only four years of your life, and if you like it, keep re-upping, and if you don't like where you're at in the military, find an opportunity to do something else. Nothing's holding you to do the same job in the military. You can always year after year, year after year. I mean, albeit if you're infantry, you're probably going to have to do your first four years in the infantry. There's not, you can't lap move right out of it after halfway done. Yeah. But like me right now, if they, if I have the opportunity to go Marsoc and I get selected and all that, that'd be, that'd be pretty dope. Uh, first i gotta do it though yeah it's like i told my mom today have a dream and once you have that dream just try to do it yeah and you gotta keep trying sometimes because there's you know guys that go to selection once and then you know they either get plucked out because they don't like the way your nose looks well here's the thing if you if you you don't look like marsock son well if you okay so here's the thing that's the that's the one problem that I have to correct you on. Once you go through selection, at least for Marsoc, I'm pretty sure it's for everybody else too. You can make it through, and if you don't get selected, you can't come back. Okay, so you only get one. You only you get, get one shot. Well, you get one shot. If you get injured, you can come back. If you drop on request, you can't come back, and if you don't get selected, you can't come back. Okay, so yeah. it's just it's just the one time, and then it's, if you don't get selected, then well, then if yeah, you'll you pick if something you, else to do. If you don't get selected. You go back to your unit, okay? But I guarantee you at the end of a selection process like that, you go back to your unit, you got... uh, Physically, you're going to be way more in shape than anybody else in your unit. Um, If, you know, and if you don't like where you're at, but you still want to do the same kind of job, you can go try to, like, join recon or something. But if you're going to join recon, you better be a duck in water. (laughs) Because <laughs> they drown you at recon. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my advice. Figure out what you want to do. Don't mm-hmm. settle for anything when you go to the recruiting office. Ah, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good that's point. A, that's a big thing. I, I should mention that. I or if wanna, they say, "Hey, sign here, and we'll see if we can get you in." Don't fall. Chances for that. are don't we can probably that. get that you. Is, in. That is that is the red flag for you getting an open contract. And if you get open contract thinking you're going to get a good job, think again, you're going to be a cook. Nice. Nice. You can get a cook for the core. Yippee. Um, and yeah, so you go into a recruiting office, have a job that you want to do, do your research, find a job that you want to do and do not settle on a contract until you get that job. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I, that's what I did. Yeah. I was like, I want to go infantry because if you're going to join the Marine Corps, better do it. They're, known for you know and i told my recruiter that i want to go infantry i want to go infantry and he tried to pull the well we got combat engineer for you that's kind of close and i was like no i'm gonna be in the depth till i got an infantry contract coming up luckily for me 
some dude dropped out because he oh. uh, he uh, tested positive on a drug test. Nice. So he couldn't go, and he had an infantry contract. So I took his contract. Mm-hmm. Just happened to be this, and then he you know he's like, well, "We got a six year too." And I was like, "Well, I was gonna plan on doing four more more than four anyway. We should do six, you know." Yeah. And that was before I actually hit the fleet. It's you know, I'm kind of guilty of doing being that guy that doesn't like that gets down in the dumps. But I've also learned after three years that you just gotta lift your head up, and the core is not that bad. Yeah, you think about it. I mean, free food, free lodging. You get to shoot guns and you get paid for it. Do stuff that people would pay thousands of dollars to do. Oh, yeah. Like, if, if I wanted to go do, like, the training and stuff that you get to do, mm-hmm. like, number one, if you want to go do it, like, airsoft-wise. That's expensive. 500 to to $1,000. Easy. You want to go do it, like, with a bunch of randos. Like, you go with, I don't know, Chris Costa. You go with... Um, <laughs> I, I don't even know Travis Haley. You go, you go, you go do one of the big professional courses. Oh uh, yeah. And those guys are going to charge you like five grand to hang out with them for three days or a week. And wow. Shoot. So or you can find, you can go infantry, sign a contract, and do everything for free for four years. And if you like it, if you like it, you can re up for another four. Yeah. Or if you, you know, like me right now, if you've been in the line companies, which is the regular, um, regular infantry companies, if you mm-hmm. want to do something more, get eligible for it and go go try out. The, the, that's the cool thing about going to selection. If you if you uh, if you don't make it, it's there's no adverse effects on you. Yeah. The the company actually, your company will never know about it. They keep it to themselves. If you don't get selected because other than you're like a... Other than you're gone for a while. Yeah, other than you're gone. If you get selected, they'll know. Hey, he, he's going to be a Narsoc operative. Cool. If you don't get selected because, like, they don't see something in you, they won't tell your command that. Yeah. Or if you... Well, if you DOR, they drop on request, they, they'll know that you dropped on request, but there's no adverse respects because selection's hard. Yeah, it's so it's more like a good on you for trying. Good on you for trying. Pat on the back. All right, time to go do regular infantry stuff. Yeah. Carry on. Hopefully hopefully you don't get it in your head that, hey, man, at least I tried Marsoc and you haven't tried, you know, yeah. to do whatever. Yeah. Seriously. But, like, um, and I would say if you don't get selected for Marsoc, go recon. But the only problem is if you oh, – the only problem is with going recon is you have to reenlist – before you go to recon oh, and if you don't make it you're still in for you're that still time. in for that time yep so if you do go recon and you re-enlist you better pass or else you're going to be stuck in the same spot for another four years yeah being miserable or you can just suck it up buttercup and know that any job you do military or not is going to suck so better learn now Right, because very few people can be Black Rifle Coffee and love what they do. That's one of the things that... So, one of the things that Gianni and I were talking about last week... Oh, let's drop Big Ol's name. Yeah. Big Ol' Ho, where's he at? We we were saying, if you can... If you can enjoy your job... Yeah. 25 
or more percent of the time. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good job. That is a pretty good job. Yeah. Because, you know, if for a couple hours out of each day, you're like, yeah, this is, this is actually Too pretty good. Too bad I'm only at 24%. <laughs> Darn the Dang. luck. Darn the luck. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, if you can, if you can enjoy your job for that amount of time, mm-hmm. what the heck? Do it. I mean, you're gonna, you have to work to eat. You have to work to live. Okay. So why not do it with something that you can at least sort of enjoy most of the time? Right. Now, for now the, that's a really depressing way to think about it. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. But another note on the military. Okay. Another note. Forgot to mention this. For those that want to do some gunfighting stuff, if you go Marine Infantry, okay, and you don't think it's cut out for you, just do a four-year, just do a four-year infantry contract. That's cool and all, and you can do what a lot of people actually try to do. Which, if I stay in and I I don't get a chance to go to Marsoc selection, this is what my plan is if I want to stay in, uh, transfer over to the Army, and try to get that that Ranger contract and go part of the 75th battalion they're they're pretty high speed low drag guys they, they don't sit around they're part of they're part of socom mm-hmm. and if you ask there's no i mean there's a there's obviously range like rasp it's a selection program but it's not i'm not gonna even like say it's not strenuous because it is i've seen videos on it i'm like i've seen what people say about it and it is strenuous but it's not it's not like you go through it and they don't say like you we don't want you yeah you can go through it and if you make it you're part of the team um yeah but (laughs) so it's not like it's not like an at the end you have to be selected it's more of like if you can get to the end you're You're one of us yeah and then like i said you still get the you still get the uh the better gear than everybody you get the better uh operations than everybody um the better training than everybody you get airborne and combat diver called in the rangers because the rangers are the uh if not the militaries the u.s army's like top raid force whether it be helo raids or boat raids or you know anything that's what they're best at and so if you (laughs) this is going to sound a little dark but if you're if your goal in the military is to go fight somebody pop some rounds down range at some actual targets and not target targets join the rangers because that's what they do and they've been doing it pretty recently a Since lot vietnam <laughs> well well you know like recently as in like in the, last the last three 20 years. years the last 20 years these last three years i mean third battalion i think they just got back and uh i think they had like three thousand killed and captured on this last four month push they had to afghanistan i was just like whoa 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 some yeah. numbers but uh if that's your goal I, I would i would give it some give it some thought right and i think i think it's important that we have an outlet in our country mm-hmm. for because you said you said it's listen this is gonna sound a little bit dark yeah but if you're if you're if your goal is to go and actually fight people mm-hmm. i mean it, whether we like it or not right there are a a set of men mm-hmm. out there that want to go and fight people. Good men now, blessed with violence, yes. 
I think we need to have an outlet for those people because if you don't, you're going to end up with dangerous dangerous people, yeah. And I don't I don't mean dangerous and like they're going to do something bad, but the potential is there. Their personality is such that it's more of on a violent trend. Mm-hmm. Why don't we utilize that violence in a productive way to help people and hurt bad guys? Well, yeah. Um definitely. Like if you if you decide to join any infantry Special forces, any anybody whose job is to send the rounds down range, you got to have the mentality. It's uh, my piloting coach, uh, Scott Hollis. He was a ranger back in the day. And what he told me was, if you're going infantry, you need to have that light switch. And I asked him what he meant by that. And it's like the light switch, if it's uh, on the off mode, we're talking like we are right now. Right. Okay. You turn it on and we're doing our jobs, so, so to speak. Um you blur the faces out and you do what you need to do because you're trying to get the dudes to your left and right back home. It's not about what the government wants you to do. It's not about you're there for oil field seizure. No, you're there because you were told to go there. You don't have a choice. And so I'm going to get all my boys back home because I owe it to them just like they owe it to me. Um, yeah. And that's a mentality that is hard to obtain, especially because not every day do you go out and uh, do the Lord's work, I should say. (laughs) Um, And I remember asking my brother, uh, and I was very careful with asking this question on what that was like. And he said it was uh, life-changing, actually. Um, Yeah. It's kind of like that scene in American Sniper where uh, hey, Chris Kyle takes his first shot at the the women and the woman and the child. Yeah, and he was like shocked by it, but at the same time, he knew that if he didn't, then that entire unit of Marines would have got right. blown up. And that's the kind of mentality you need to have. Um, yeah, it's not easy. Um, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Nobody does. But if you do get placed there. You have to have the ability to actually do it. You, you have, yeah, you have to have the ability to do it, and you have to have the ability not to feel guilty for what you've done. Especially if you're in the if you're in the right, you shouldn't feel guilty. If you did some like, uh, obviously, if you did war crimes, I mean, if then, you did bad stuff, you're probably gonna get held to account. Probably, you're gonna end up in <laughs> Leavenworth. Yeah. Uh huh. But, but for if, the majority of people that um, you know, they're engaging targets at what 500 meters in afghanistan it's not as yeah it's not as close as what people think it is um because they're on the other side of the valley shooting i mean they're lobbing they're like literally lobbing rounds in yeah i mean my platoon sergeant has been to afghanistan twice and he has combat in both times he's been and i think he told me the closest engagement he has been in was like 200 meters yeah it's not like and that close was, that, enough. That's close enough. Hey, that's, <laughs> that's close enough. You stop right there. But uh, it's not like... And that was in the Sangin Valley. So a pretty heavy... heavy okay. Heavy, I haven't heard of that valley yet. The Sangin Valley and Yeah. You've never heard of the Sangin Valley in Afghanistan? Anyway, no. It, it was... A, it was... They call it the... Uh, um, the most uh, dangerous... Va- or Sang- Why did I say Sangin Valley? <sighs> Sorry, people that are listening that know what... It, actually know what i'm talking about the singing province 
most dangerous province in Afghanistan. It's in South Afghanistan. Okay. And uh, he went there twice. And closest was 200. It's not like Fallujah where you're kicking doors in. Right. And stuff like that. That's time. I have, we still have old dinosaurs, as we call them, that were there. <laughs> in Fallujah. In Fallujah, like my old platoon sergeant. That, one of, that was 20 years ago. Well, oh, well, well, wait, no, wait, it no. was 15? 16. Yeah, Almost Fallujah, 16 years ago. Fallu- yeah. And I remember because my old platoon My old platoon I, I remember. I was there. Uh, no, but... Uh, <laughs> Pepperidge Farm remembers. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Uh, now my old platoon sergeant was 0311 by trade with riflemen by trade, um, and then that his first push was the second Battle of Fallujah in 2004. Mm-hmm. Right, he's been in for a minute. I think he's about to retire. I think he just picked up Gunny, so he can retire with full benefits now. Yeah. Um, but he was a staff sergeant for like 17 years. <laughs> Salty dude. But, salty. Uh, he was a salty <laughs> dude. Uh, Staff Sergeant Jackson. They call him Bolt Action Jackson because after he was a rifleman, he went to scout snipers. Yeah. And he has, I think, 36 confirmed under his belt. Yeah, total wow. Ra- total Razorback. Um, and, yeah, dude was the pro- one of the most knowledgeable men I've ever, ever heard in my life. Because, you know, there was this ranger – or this ranger. Hold up. A major – asking him questions about like this uh tactical recovery of aircraft and personnel mission we were doing mm-hmm. um trap mission and he was saying some i i knew some of the acronyms he was doing but like this man spout off like the abcs of the military you know ccps vcps blah, blah, blah. i was like dude chill <laughs> i'm trying to write notes down i was like Whoa. I, bro i gotta take i notes. gotta take notes and you're speaking tongues right now (laughs) but no dude was dude was so cool um he was he's the kind of guy that you know you never you never saw him even in the office in the field he always had a dip in his lip (laughs) he's that kind of guy but like he he was uh he was a character um and you could tell that he's done some stuff he had like the bipolar disorder and yeah and uh his eyes did a little little weird twitch thing every so often um but yeah Fallujah was a far long time ago and i'm kind of crazy to see that there's some old dinosaurs that are still in the core that remember that yeah like when 9-11 this year rolled around our first sergeant was having a speech and he was telling us yeah i remember what it was like on september 11 2001 i was uh, he's an mp by trade so he was like i was guarding the gate <laughs> and he's a dog handler by trade. Rip. He's a dog. He's so he's an MP and a dog handler by trade. And he was like, I was guarding the gate, and I just remember we got the word that the towers got blown up, and then two months later we were in Iraq doing stuff. And I was like, whoa! Uh, and so he went from being a gate guard to uh, doing search and recovery with his dog and doing raids with his dog. Yeah, the man has his combat action ribbon for stuff he did early on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, "But you're an MP." Yeah, like whoa. So back then, Pogues actually got some. Yeah, uh, you know, everybody at that when you go full scale war because my brother wasn't an infantryman when he went through. He was a tracker, uh, as in he was uh, a crewman of the amphibious assault vehicle. Mm-hmm. But this, those things still have guns. Yeah. And every Marine's a rifleman. Yep. 
put one put war and every marines and riflemen together everybody's getting some and that's what it was back then it was it was brutal but now it's like peacekeeping and admins doing admin stuff and Mm -hmm. freaking motor (laughs) t's driving their trucks and then the grunts are actually getting some out in the field now yep that's how it is now everybody's doing their job and only their job and not every marine's a rifleman it's kind of like a, a lost phrase and it, it is a lost phrase when peacekeeping's going down or peacetime right but when war hits everybody everybody's is. everybody's back in it yeah like uh my platoon sergeant was saying that like the most senior man that he had at one time when he was in uh afghanistan doing a patrol was a cook and so the cook actually led a squad <laughs> i was like what the <laughs> frick when it was like yeah I don't know what's what he going on that. here. When he told me that, I was thinking of the movie Under Siege with Steven Seagal, where he's like a Navy SEAL or an ex-Navy SEAL, but he became a cook on a ship, and then they take it over, and then he like wipes everybody out because he's a SEAL. He's just a lowly cook. That's all I could think about. Because he's Steven Seagal. Because he's Steven freaking Seagal. Ah, uh, yeah. So that's that's the crazy part. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Wrapping it up, what can we expect to see from you in the future? Are you going to... You kind of alluded to a little bit of what you want to do, but um, let's see in the future. Um, hopefully, get a chance to do assessment selection. Um, if not, carry out the plan of the day for the next three years, and uh, if an opportunity arises to where I can become a, a ranger, then I will. If my mind changes, I'll become a civilian. Maybe try to do law enforcement, or you know, only time will tell. In the near future, do a year and a half long workup, and uh, I think I think we're supposed to be hitting up some some cool spots along the uh, the Middle East. Nice. Yeah, and with times now, it's hopefully not too rough, but you can never promise. Yeah, got to be prepared. You might do some some guard duty in Saudi or something. Or Kuwait. What's up? Kuwait. <sighs> yeah, a lot I know of people Djibouti's get sent there. Be a thing. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah, it was. Too much. (laughs) Too much. Too much fun. All right. Stay strong, brother. Yeah, you too, bud. Semper Fi.